Hi, this is Akshay. And this is Salar. And, and this, this is, is the Missing Pages, Pages Podcast. In this podcast, we will talk about nutrition, plant medicines, biohacking, and meditation. Mm-hmm. Page, page 10, 10. it is. <laughs> Alright, beauty. So, um, what did you just say? What has started? What happened? <laughs> uh, the whole journey, man. The whole journey started um, with psychedelics for me, for sure. How, how did it start? When was it? How old were you? Uh, years ago. Um, so I was I was in a relationship years ago, um, and I guess during that relationship I was also into dreaming and, and lucid dreaming a bit. It was just kind of in the beginning phases, but I went through a breakup. It was a really bad breakup. Um, wasn't feeling very nice. Kind of went through a self-destructive phase. Ah, story of all of us. <laughs> yeah, drinking a lot, not really being, um, you know, not taking care of myself, not taking care of my body, um, not really being healthy at all uh, in lots of ways uh, psychologically and physically um, so one weekend me and my buddies um, buddy's like I have a bag of mushrooms I think they could be you know helpful. I was like no man don't don't those make your brain bleed isn't that isn't that uh, you know bad for you and he's like no man it's 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 fine and I didn't really care at this point I was like you know what let's you know let's do it let's it, it's all good I googled it real quick and I was like yeah you know it's it's fine I, I'll be okay and you never like tried anything before that any nothing like, before that how about like cannabis or something like that yeah I mean I, just like here and there not a heck of a casually, lot but yeah party, I mean whatever. I was in high school at one point yeah yeah, and I was, yeah, yeah. yeah it, uh, I wasn't I guess a frequent user but I yeah yeah um, how many grams was it the mushroom it was three and a half, three which is a half. good amount Ooh. for first yeah. time. And I, <laughs> yeah, you guys, yeah, it's around the same. Yeah. Um, and for me, it was like, I did it from a really self-destructive place. I wasn't really in it for consciousness or spirituality or yeah, any you're of like, that. Fuck it. Like, and that yeah. left me and all the negative thoughts and you're like, fuck it, what's going to hurt Let's more? Let's have some fun. Whatever. Yeah. 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 Didn't, yeah. It was already numbing things. Like, it didn't, yeah. like the night before I got hammered, like I, yeah. I didn't expect i thought it was going to be some sort of inebriation i didn't think it was going to be uh sorry i'll turn that off it's all good (laughs) i thought it was going to be some sort of inebriation something that was going to uh you know just get me out of my head but it out of my head but it was it was it was something that got me into my head it was something that like by the end of the night, I was looking at the sky, you know, crying, listening to music, looking at the stars, like, oh my God, what is life? And and I learned that love comes from the inside and that I had been placing love in, in this other character, this girl. And, and I thought that when we broke up, love was, was gone. Love was taken away from me. And, and that was one of the first times, the first time, I guess, that I really realized like, oh no, like it's always there and I can give it to myself. And so that mushrooms was really what opened me up to that. And then that day, from that day forward, it was like a complete 180. And uh, I, it took me right out of that depression. I stopped drinking like that, that day. Like I stopped, I stopped getting as, um, yeah, that was it. Yeah, and I start caring, right? Yeah. Like caring about like who you are, what am I doing? Like why, why am I distracting myself, yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, same thing happened to me. Yeah. But yeah, go on. Yeah, no, it was just, I got into caring about my body and caring about my mind and like, what, what is this? I started doing a lot of research, reading more books than I've ever read and uh, I was just fascinated. I got really into like, you know, <laughs> ancient civilizations and where did we come from and all, all the stuff that I, I know like we can't really 
Yeah. No. Um, and is this happening before U.S. city economy or after? This was this was after. I think after. the my breakup happened like right when I was finishing like my final year. Uh-huh. Um, so it was it was just after I had finished my degree. Yeah. Yeah. And then you went through this whole path, and then you're like, fuck, and then you were introduced to this. So um, where does, um, did you like, do any meditation after that, or you were doing meditation before? Like, When did meditation introduce you? Meditation wasn't something that I even really took seriously until after Amazing. all of that. Um, I was a really, so I grew up Roman Catholic. Um, by the time I was in high school, I think I, I got to be a really... Um, sort of cynical uh atheist you know uh didn't really believe in anything i thought oh you know that's that's all bs you know like there was nothing there for me um and then i i think it, again it was it was mushrooms that really smacked me smacked me in the face and was like hey something's here it's not something i ever really took too seriously uh, before yeah. then you yeah. wake the fuck up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> it was like part of my brain turned on that, that I didn't even realize was... I remember my first experience, it was something really primitive. It was something really primal. It was like, I felt like I was, you know, a monkey in the jungle and all of the sounds were heightened and I could like... I mean, there was cars and horns and, and you know, ambulance sirens and things like that. I wasn't in the normal jungle anymore, but it was like a part of my brain that was dormant. Yeah. And the first time I did mushrooms, it kind of like... just all the things that you don't normally take in are just heightened and, and you're, you're turned on, you're, you're awake, you're aware of, you know, all the information that you're not normally taking in. Do you remember what was the first decision you made after, um, that mushroom session? Like the first thing that like, was like, really, uh, you can like consider it as a milestone in your life that you're like, Oh, did, I got transformed. And then I did this. I think I st- almost entirely stopped being self-destructive. Like mm-hmm. I, I was, I was the kind of guy that I think, you know, when you're like overweight or, or, um, and people tell you like, oh, maybe you should take care of yourself. And I, I was the kind of person that would, would almost out of spite be like, no, I'm, I'm going to keep eating all this pizza. I'm going to keep doing these things that are bad. Like that's like, that's all of us. Yeah. Right? yeah it's just yeah, like yeah, everybody yeah, like react yeah. to that. Like that. Yeah, yeah. your friend's trying to help you and you're like, no, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> I almost do the exact yeah. opposite because like, I want to, you know, justify my position or yeah. something. So th- I realized that I did that and I, I stopped yeah. doing that almost entirely. I realized like, no, the choices I'm making aren't because of what other people are saying to me. It is, it's my responsibility for the choices I'm making. Yeah, exactly. And it's been a learning experience since then. There's always more things to take responsibility for, but that that's i think the turning point like i haven't really drank i I don't think i've gotten drunk i have not gotten drunk to that point that i was getting at that when that happened in my life um that that hasn't happened like i just realized that you know drunk is not a nice feeling like blackout drunk is not something that my body likes it's not something i like in the morning it's not something that serves me you know i'm not a nice person when i'm there you know i don't remember the night like i didn't I, the value in that just yeah no oh way. man like, yeah. exact same thing that happened to me i was like drinking a lot at, um especially i i was at a job that i was like doing a lot of overtime and then afterward it was um when when you like pass the 14 hours a day and then you have to stay for another four or five hours you're just like fuck it i'm gonna just go grab some drink or whatever and like 
just drinking at work and i was like what the fuck am i doing and that was like at for a period of time it happened like every single day and uh so basically that job was passed and then literally my awakening moment and then i got the relationship breakup all that stuff and literally exact same story like when yeah, i did yeah. the, my first mushroom trip i was like what the fuck am i doing with me in my life like yeah. this, i'm responsible for this body for this being this yeah. is i'm more like a um, i'm a profound being and i'm yeah. wasting a life i'm wasting a soul yeah. i'm wasting like these years and hours and everything that is just like going by and like numbing myself with like drinking this is not yeah. right and the whole like yeah it, yeah. it it's really fascinating yeah. like how it really changes you yeah absolutely yeah. i think it was bringing back that connection to spirit like one of the yeah. things that i i believe now that you know happens with the church is that they kind of take the divinity or they take this the spirit uh, out out of the person and, and that thing to be worshipped that thing that's divine that thing that's mm-hmm. you know uh you it's on the altar bow yeah. bow down yeah. it's over there and, and yeah. they kind of take it i felt anyways that yeah. it took it out of me and it took out the ability for me to be you know that yeah like worship your body take care of your body love yourself like what is this beautiful vessel that we have like have gratitude for your feet and your hands and like you know how great is it that i get to taste food and you know dance and and enjoy life like like this is beautiful like there there is a lot of people don't even like have don't have like a limb arm and they, yeah, they're yeah. living like that yeah, and they, yeah. they don't they're living like in terrible country they don't have any option they're locked up and like yeah. we don't really we are not grateful most of the time for yeah. what we have already yeah and i that's something that i didn't really have that's something that kind of you know sparked in me um again yeah it was psychedelics that really turned that on because when when you're not really living in a spiritual way or recognizing that there is you know anything spiritual at all if you're in kind of that material atheist everything is separate you know um you're not gonna have that feeling you're not gonna you're not gonna i guess it depends on the person i didn't have that feeling i can't speak for everyone but yeah yeah but it's most like it's most common like most people like they have similar experience like i did between the three of us there's two of us we had this feeling and like i still believe that i believe that psychedelic really saved me it really yeah. saved me from uh, being a negative person, being a toxic yeah. person, and um, to think about my actions and all that stuff. Yeah. And uh, I, I swear by it. I don't want to recommend to anybody else. That, like it's yeah. like literally everyone's like it's their choice if yeah. they want yeah. to do it. Yeah. But um, you can all only talk about your experience, right? Yeah. And I think it's important yeah. to like in what you just said. Like it, it might not be for everyone. A big yeah. thing that I'm learning with it is like. It's not just something that everyone can do on the average weekend and no. be okay. Yeah. It's not something that everyone is mentally capable of handling mm-hmm. or prepared yeah. for. It's uh, in a lot of circumstances like I don't if you're not doing psychotherapy or if you don't have some sort of, you know, psychotherapy assisted option, then don't go do a handful of of mushrooms. That's probably not a good idea. That's why it's great that universities like Johns Hopkins are doing research with this stuff and actually having psychotherapists work with people because you might face stuff not might you will face stuff like processing death you know i've heard that you know doing psychedelics i think it was terrence mckenna that said it doing psychedelics is like a meditation on death you know your own mortality (laughs) yeah i've had some scary experiences looking in the mirror like oh look at how fragile i am 
look at like what is this skin suit I'm wearing and like how easy is it for me to break it like yeah. honestly like, even the idea of like this reality that we see every single day of our lives it's like it becomes so normal yeah. that we don't really realize this whole thing can completely change within like you just walk in the street you get into an accident yeah. that's it your yeah. entire like life will change your job will change yeah. your relationship will, everything will change but we get like comfortable in that idea mm-hmm. to the point that we don't really feel that we should be great and like that, that gratefulness Grateful for, and everything yeah. is just like fades yeah. away and i think in that too yeah. is a lack of presence because yeah. when you're going through life and you're let's say planning for your retirement and you're you know planning for things in the future and oh i'll be happy once i get that job or can afford that house or get that car when i get married and you're walking down the street and then you get hit by the car Mm. and you realize that you weren't even here this whole time you you were over there you were in the in the imagined future not being present with the fact that you have legs to walk on that you could even go on that walk and how beautiful it is to go on that walk and 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 breathe in that fresh air and, and have the awareness of the world around you, you know, and you might have been daydreaming about the future. And then all of a sudden, yeah, now it's a different future. Yeah. And, and now you're not only mourning that that future is not going to happen, but you might also be mourning that you weren't even present for the last however many years of your yeah. life, really being with what that was and how yeah. great that was. And so, I mean, how great is it to be here? yeah <laughs> right yeah. now and exactly after that you like walking with your girl or someone that you yeah. really love your mom like you know just like walking beside her or hiking with them like on, along the lake or like in the in the forest or something it has a complete different meaning like yeah. it becomes like you become like full of appreciation for the moment whereas like most of the time we have like a lot of thoughts like occupying our head and we don't really even like feel the moment at all this mm-hmm. whole thing comes um, to mind. Like I think something like mushroom, it's like a kick. It's like you kick opens the door right through yeah. your brain. It's like, hey, pay attention. Yeah. But there's, it's been like years and years and years. All these like monks and all these like spiritual people, they've been telling people, hey, do meditation. Mm-hmm. Nobody really takes action on meditation. Yeah. And like once a being like mm-hmm. experienced some psychedelic world, then they start paying attention. Maybe I should have started meditation. I think it's a necessary, like, if, you, if, you, if you're thinking about doing a psychedelic, that's a good prerequisite. Like, just getting present to, like, okay, what is it that you might see? Like, really be with your body. Like, let, yeah. let's slow things down. Like, what might it feel like if the, a greater awareness were to come through you? Just let yourself imagine it. But if you're like, go, 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 never really thinking mm-hmm. about it, never really meditating, always in that state of mind, and then you slap yourself with a high dose of mushrooms yeah you might have a rough go so something i've learned is like i i can't go to those realms and i can't have a relationship with those plant medicines in a healthy way if i'm not doing something every day to remember and to and to meditate and to practice and to have gratitude for the present moment and feed my body well because i've had experiences where i've been eating terribly for a good period of time i might have stopped drinking but i was eating really bad and then i you know had another plant medicine experience and that really sinks in it's like oh my god what what's in my stomach right now like what 
what have I been eating for, for so long? What's fermenting in my large intestine? Like, you know, we don't really realize we're so unconscious with those practices. Blob of bread and just like, yeah. yeah, And And, and one thing I want to mention from what you were saying before with, with being present and, and like appreciating the moment, it reminds me of uh, something Sam Harris said. Do you guys know Sam Harris? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Brilliant human. Love that guy. Yeah. Uh, he talks about like, imagine you're driving to work and you're lamenting the day, you know, you have paperwork, you don't really like your job, you're in traffic and it's like, oh, this couldn't get any worse. You're, you're, you know, you're, you're stirring about how awful it is that you're driving to work and you know, how better, how much better things could be at the end of the day, you know, but other than that, things are pretty good. Like you're healthy and you make a good amount of money. You know, you've got a healthy family. Yeah. Life's, life's pretty good, but you're still complaining. Imagine the next day, you know, you get diagnosed with an illness. You get diagnosed with cancer and you have two months to live. And all of a sudden, all those plans, all those things of the future, all, all the complaining about driving, you know, all of that fades away. And imagine how much you would want to be back. 24 hours prior yeah. in the same car ride, yeah. you know, how, how great would it be to, if the only thing you had to worry about was that you had to drive to work and, and, you know, you had some paperwork when you got there, yeah. but you didn't have that diagnosis. You didn't have to think about, you had two months to live, yeah. you know, how grateful would you be <laughs> to be back in that moment? Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, that's really, it's, yeah, we, we often don't really think about it until after. Mm. yeah because like there, there's a thing like um there's a quote this i don't remember where i heard it but when you ask an old man um like does your life make sense and he's like yeah every single aspect of it makes sense but when you ask a like 30 years old or 20 years old like they they're like this doesn't make sense why this mm. why did this event happen to me anything that it was like mm. anything yeah. like bad or good there is always like anything extreme it happened in their life and it's like it doesn't make any sense to them but when you ask like an um elder and you ask him hey like and he exactly knows oh because i did that the reaction of that and in the like like in the karma world it like it brought me this and this and this Mm -hmm. my negative thoughts it brought me this and this and this and everything would make sense so that our past makes complete sense but because we don't have any information of the future, it's unknown to us. Mm. It's kind of like we get into that trap of like not appreciating. Yeah. yeah. And I think it depends on the elder too, because yeah, not, yeah, not every elder <laughs> learns their lesson. And I, you know, I know yeah. there's lots of miserable people, old people yeah. that will blame all That's of their true. misery on external factors and not on their choices. Yeah. It's yeah. a code. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe the wise no, old true. elders, That's but true. And, and something I'm learning recently too, um, that it really helps with presence is, is the fact that we actually are the ones that are creating what the past even means. Mm. The past doesn't actually mean anything inherently like things happened. Right. So have you guys ever heard of the landmark form? Yeah. No. Maddie did the landmark form yeah. in a prior podcast. Um, so essentially they're teaching presence. They're teaching that, um, what I learned anyways, I won't speak to what they taught, but this is what I learned is that the past. So something happened, like, let's say you got left on a doorstep and you know, another family adopted you. Well, you could say I was abandoned. I was abandoned. I was an abandoned child. My parents must not have loved me. So, you know, you make it mean that, or you don't really know that that happened to you, right? You, that could, that could have been anything. 
you know maybe the person that left you on the doorstep left you there with blankets and kept you warm and rang the doorbell and made sure that you got in safely and loved you very much and knew that this other family could take better care of you so they kind of sacrificed a relationship with you so that you could live a better life and you weren't abandoned you were actually helped along right Mm -hmm. but you might live in a meaning that you know or, or that breakup make it a little easier the breakup that i went through i made it mean that i was unlovable or that love was taken away from me or that um you know I did something wrong or there was some mistake making made and it was it was it was my fault. Um it didn't mean that. What happened was she said she didn't want to be in a relationship with me anymore. Okay. I made it mean the things that made me feel terrible. Yeah. You know, so we can actually adjust or change what the past means. And in that we can actually change how we feel about our future because we're playing a character like everybody's living in a story. We're all living in a narrative and we're telling ourselves this narrative. Well, I'm this person. I went to school for this, you know, program. So that means I'm capable of this. I came from this style of family. So that means I have to live in this style of family. And, you know, this is what this means. I I have to live a life like this. So the meanings that we make about who we are, that we've accumulated over the years, also creates our future. And, and... If we can open up the past and realize we're, we're the ones making what that means, that means we can also open up the future to a lot more possibility. And it's like, oh, no, I can choose what the past means. And therefore, I can choose what I want to do. I can choose who I want to be in the present moment. Like, That's very true. But self-destructing is, feels really good. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, totally. It feels great. You were so attached like to our suffering. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm a piece of shit. For sure. Yeah. It feels a lot better because then I don't have to take responsibility for anything. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Nailed I'm going through that right now. Yeah. Yeah. Especially people like like all the cravings and all the addiction and everything. It comes from the same idea. Like when you when that person like, it, then somebody like starts smoking and it just like yeah. keep doing that on and on and on or like. Somebody grinds through like a whole bunch of like carbs or something, or buying like shit ton of McDonald's and just like yeah, going through yeah, them yeah. and like become a beat. This is just who that. I am. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm attached to it this. Feels great. Domino's habit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, pizza, yeah. all that. What was the first job you got um, after school? After school, I worked at Scotia Bank. I worked at a bank for five years. I was a bank teller. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the whole uh, psychedelic uh, experience uh, kind of really kicked off, really began um, right before I got that job. So, like, as I was a bank teller, um, you know, I was just having this really mundane experience of, like, oh, how can I help you? You know, oh, yeah, the weather's great. Oh, yeah, the weather's terrible. Like, it was the same conversations. It was the same people. It was very repetitive. Um and I would go home and, like, on a weekend, have this mind-boggling experience. Um, oh, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> I would go home on the weekend and have these mind-boggling experiences that, you know, I'd get I'd get there on Monday. And how do I explain that? How do I connect with people? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it was just so out of the norm. Yeah, good. <laughs> Somebody slid a note under your door. Somebody knocked? Somebody slid that little piece of paper. Yeah, is that so distracting? I was like, let's see if that. It's probably his sister. Ah, it's probably his sister. Probably just like, yeah, it's just letters. Sorry. 
Which one is it? Edit it out. Yeah. yeah. I remember to edit it out. Do you want to start the conversation about the bank again? Mm-hmm. Let's do the bank thing. So you were a bank teller. Yeah. And five years, everything becomes repetitive. Yeah. Um, and I remember I used to like love being on my breaks to like talk about these things. Not everybody really got it, uh, you know, but they would listen to me and like... I. I I had good things to say and, and, you know, it was new to a lot of people, but I I would talk openly with my, I had some pretty cool employees at the bank that were willing to chat about uh, my, my experiences. And, you know, at the same time I was really getting into lucid dreaming and, uh, that was wild because I'd, I'd have an experience of like flight or (laughs) something magical would happen the night before and I'd get to, you know, work, I'd put on my shirt and tie, you know, get dressed up and I'd be like, how can I help you? Like, how do I communicate that? You know, I just had this powerful inner experience of like... So how, how did you get introduced to lucid dreaming? Like, when, what was it? Who was it? it was, uh, was it like a specific video or just popped in front of you or... I had learned about it years ago and I had had them. And like, I knew, I guess, I don't know the specific moment that it happened, but I knew that it was an interest. I, I bought a book about, about it. And when I bought the book, I had more of them. Um, do you remember the book name? The first one I ever bought was, um, it was by Stephen LeBerge and I, I think it was just like called lucid mm-hmm. dreaming. And then there's a subtitle. It's a purple book. You can find it on Amazon. Uh, Stephen LeBerge was one of the first doctors to prove that lucid dreaming was a real thing. He, um, yeah. Um, I think one of the first experiment experiments they did was, um, when you're in REM sleep, and they can sense your brain waves. They would ask lucid dreamers to send eye signals back because your eyes are one thing that can still move, right? So they would say to a lucid dreamer, once you're in there, move your eyes left, right, left, right, up, down in a certain sequence. So they could see that these people were consciously making the choice to do that once they were in the dream because <laughs> yeah. that was the one motor function that still worked. Yeah. And, and that's how they proved that lucid dreaming was Holy a real thing shit. the first time, yeah. yeah. And since then, like, all I can really give you guys or anybody is like my own personal anecdotal mouth sounds to express to you what has happened inside my own mind. Like I have had some powerful, vivid dream experiences where it's as real as it's as real as day. It's as real as yeah. this sitting yeah. right here in this yeah. room. Textures feel how textures are supposed Holy to feel. Shit. You're in like another world, a virtual world created by your own brain. And it's a real thing. I actually worked for a company. I didn't tell you guys about this yet. I worked for a company based out of uh, San Diego called iWings. And they made something called the Aurora. Kind of like the Muse. You know how the Muse is like an EEG monitoring meditation headband? They made an EEG monitoring lucid dreaming headband that when it sensed you were in REM sleep would send a light and a sound. So it would shine a light into your eyes and play a sound to kind of notify you in dream sleep uh, that you were that you were dreaming to kind of trigger lucidity from the external elements, right? Yeah. They started from Kickstarter. They got funded like $260,000. Yeah. Yeah. So, do you have um, any update on how they're doing? They, I signed a non-disclosure agreement. Oh, okay. Okay. (laughs) No worries. But from the sounds of it, they, they're sitting on some patents um, for it. Uh, And so they own the rights to, uh, if a company is ever going to produce something like a functioning headband at a high level, um, yeah. these guys uh, may may be making a good 
money with the patent. So hopefully mm-hmm. that's what happens for them. What but were you doing for Ivy? I was their PR guy. I was their marketing guy. I would put out their newsletters, um, which is kind of challenging because they were, <laughs> it was always a little bit late coming out. Like it, they would say, oh, we're going to release it on this date. We should have, you know, this many shipments ready to go. And, and it just never really. So a lot of my communication was just kind of like, telling people oh we gotta wait a little bit longer but in that process the cooler part was that i got to read a bunch of books i got to write some blog posts for them uh i got to learn a lot about lucid dreaming and like in that process i had to actively use their headband to try and become lucid which happened a good few times um the software was a little buggy (laughs) but uh but yeah that was that was a wild experience um so that was your first time experiencing lucid dreaming? Oh, or no. it happened to you before? Oh, it had happened. It had happened yeah. before, for sure. Um, Is it like when you were... When, when was this? Is it like... I was in a PR program at Mohawk College, and I had to pick a product to do a, a project on. Uh, and these guys were just starting their Kickstarter project. And so I um, did a marketing communications plan for their company. And they didn't really know. Uh, but I sent them this marketing plan and said, you know, hey, I think you guys can do a really good job if, you know, if you do this, this, and this. Uh, and they were they called me back and they were like, do you want to just do our PR for us? Like, we need, <laughs> we need a hand and it sounds like you got a grip on it. And I was like, yeah, yeah. all right, cool. Yeah, so I, I just reached out. Yeah, when was the first time you did Lucid Dream? Um, oh, it was years ago. Uh, when I really... It really started taking off when I started working for that company because I had to do a lot more research. And if you're not practicing, it's not a part of your reality. Like something I was talking to somebody about the other day is like, well, you know, dreaming is just not part of my reality. Like I just don't really have them. I don't really know what a lucid dreaming feels like, what lucid dreaming feels like. And it's like, okay, are chin-ups part of your reality? Because they were, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like... No, like you, yeah. you probably can't do a chin up. And if you, you know, how many times have you practiced chin ups? Well, never. Okay. And then it's not part of your reality. It's the same idea. It's kind of like a, a muscle in the mind that yeah. if you're not practicing it, then, yeah. you know, it's not really going to happen for you. Um, do you remember the most vivid one, the most vivid lucid dreams that you ever had that it always stuck with you in your heart? Yeah. I think the most powerful one that i've ever had happened recently and it also has to do with the shadow work that i know you guys wanted to talk about yeah um so i i can again barely begin to explain how real it feels when you're there like how clear as day textures feel and you know the wind on on your skin and the sun like you can feel it um I had a dream that I was in my house. A lot of my lucid dreams happened at my childhood house for some reason. Uh, And in this particular one, uh, I was talking to my mother. And as I was talking to her, I became lucid. I was like, oh, I'm in a dream. You know, I looked down at my hands. I only had like four, you know, three fingers and a thumb. And I was like, all right, like that's one of the checks. Look at your hands and and, and see if there's anything off. Um, And so I started running up the stairs. My mom says, hey, where are you going? Like, like, look at me, like turn around. And I'm at the top of the stairs and she's at the bottom of the stairs and I look at her and I see her face transform 
into like a demogorgon. Like, have you seen Stranger Things? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, I see it shape shift into like this demon monster yeah. with like oh, big beady eyes, and it starts crawling up the stairs at me. And I'm like, okay. Like, I back out into the driveway, and I got my hands up, and it's like coming at me like a velociraptor from, you know, Jurassic Park, like chomping at me. And I'm, I got my hands up, and I'm like, one of the things that these uh, lucid dreaming teachers, I listen to some Buddhist lucid dreaming teachers, and they talk about. Um, how your shadows are all aspects of self. Everything that you see that's scary is actually part of you that's trying to get your attention. Uh, so when you meet a nightmare in the dream, they they don't say run away. They say ask it a question, give it what it wants. So I, I look at this thing and I'm like, what can I do for you? So in a lucid dream, you can actually make a choice like that. In a non lucid dream, you're running for your life because you think you're going to die. But in a lucid dream, it's like you know you're safe. And you know that this is a mind projection, and so you can engage with it without being afraid. And so I ask it, what, what do you want? What can I do for you? And as soon as I ask, it starts shrinking and getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and it, until it turns into this tiny little bird on the ground, just like chirping and jumping up and down. And it's like, oh, oh, you want me to hold you. You just want me to like, you just want me to take care of you, like, and be with like, just hold it. So I pick it up and it's just this tiny little bird and it's like nestling into my hand. Two seconds ago, it was a giant demon monster. Now, now it's a bird. And all I had to do was give it attention. All it wanted was my attention, which makes a lot of sense yeah. considering it was my mother. Like, it's <laughs> really all she wants is like me to give her some say, love huh? and attention. Like, yeah. it's, it's pretty simple. You know, yeah. you know the mind's yeah. not too complicated. Yeah. Call your mom. <laughs> Call your mom. You know, listen yeah. to her when she's yeah. talking to you. Um, yeah. So, so I bring it to the end of the driveway and I'm holding it in my hand. I say, okay, what's next? And it gets smaller and smaller and it turns into like a little butterfly on the tip of my finger and it flies away and it disappears. And I'm like, well, wow, that just happened. I look up at the sky and there's a tornado. <laughs> so as soon as the monster goes away, there's, there's a, there's a tornado in the sky, some other ominous figure. And I'm like, okay, um, I accept that there's a tornado. Like, you know, what, what can I do for the, for this? Tornado. What can I do for the tornado? Yeah. And, um, you know, it's like, oh, sit down, just accept it. Like, you know, you're not going to run away from it. And so I sat down and I was like playing with the gravel. I just like playing with textures when I'm in, in a lucid dream. It's, it's mind boggling how, how real it feels. And I look up at the sky and this tornado f- swoops around the sky, eats all, all the clouds from the sky, disappears and the sky turns blue. And so now I'm sitting at the end of the driveway, demon monster's gone, tornado, clouds are gone, and I'm sitting outside on a beautiful, like, summer day, and the sun's on my skin, and, like, I'm, I'm, like, in awe, like, in tears, like, all I had to do is accept these parts of myself, and, like, everything became peaceful when I just accepted these things. And you didn't take any psychedelics before that? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, I've had lucid dreams before as well, like kind of similar to what you said. Like I saw a guy when he realized I became aware that it was a dream, his face melted and he booted me out of that dream. He was shocked that I, I saw him and I knew that this was a dream and he booted me out and I didn't have lucid dream for months and months after that. Yeah. It was really bizarre. It, no, no psychedelics. As far as I'm yeah. concerned, dreams are a psychedelic experience. Psychedelic means mind manifesting. manifesting. Yeah. 
No, the reason I'm asking is is mm-hmm. I I believe in lucid dreaming. I had like I had a couple of myself too. It just like over a period of times. Like one of them was like I I fell from um, um, I was like running from something in this cliff and it just like fell off the cliff because I was really scared. I was like fuck it, I'm gonna jump. So I just like, jumped and it just fell and like went on the ground and I felt like all my bones are broken. I can't get up and all of a sudden I this is really long time ago, but like. I, I came back. Uh, I I saw like there's these things that are like coming after me again, and all of a sudden, just like gained my back, my strength, and start running again, and running and running and running and falling, and running and falling. And it, as far as I remember, it's just like me running and falling. They are real. Lucid dreams are real. Yeah. Except that like at that time, I didn't know how to control anything. Yeah. Right. So I was just like running away from everything. Yeah. Um. Reason I'm asking, I asked you, is because um when 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 you talk about like dreams people and since our podcast is also about psychedelics as well and it's like also part of it it it's often people like think about hey like maybe that guy was like high out of his mind it's just that kind of the, the idea of like rejection and like just like this um disvaluing somebody's experience yeah. just because of like the, that validation and all of that yeah yeah i i find that with dreams um if people can't relate they shut it out. They don't really listen. They're not really interested. Um, I have some people that are close to me and it's like the moment I start talking about dreams, it's like, Oh, here we go again. Like they just don't really, (laughs) you know? And it's like, for me, it's, it's magic. Like it's like the realist experience of like something mystical or magical. It's like Harry Potter shit. Like it's, it's like, I'm able to go to a world that my brain is projecting where I can do anything. I can fly. I can like create whatever i can imagine can become you know i've had dreams where like i make things pop out of the ground like i had i uh one of the books that i was reading talked about manifesting things and like that you can actually make things appear if if you will them to if you believe you can so like i've had trees grow out of the ground because i'm like okay tree you know grow and if your expectation is there it can happen like the fact that everyone's mind, everyone's brain is capable of doing that is mind-boggling. And the fact that we all share dreams, everybody does dream, but people are are still so willing to write off lucid dreaming as an experience or like, you know, aren't willing to validate that that's real. Just goes to show that it's not just psychedelics in the traditional edible sense that are kind of outcast or misunderstood in our society. We're disconnected from anything mystical or magical you know in general you know our brain doesn't need a a substance to have a a mystical transcendent experience it's innate it's something that we're all capable of doing it's just something that our culture didn't really teach us well it's kind of like it to me it came in it completely makes sense because it came naturally so like we our world was mystical like before like 1900 before like yeah. the industrialization and all that yeah. stuff everything was like really mystical it was like full of like religion and like all these like mystical like mm-hmm. different religions they all like had these beliefs and there's all these churches that you see they're beautiful gorgeous like all these art pieces from like uh, 18th century 15th yeah. century all yeah. that stuff it's really mystical yeah. and yeah. it comes to the point of inst- um, inst- 
Insta- uh, industrialization yeah. and everything becomes and the two wars that we had then afterward it right. comes the idea of behind the desk we have to be productive 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 yeah. to build this world and now we build this but like we missed the part that we put shit ton of people behind the desk yeah, yeah. and for for a lifetime yeah. we're, we're living in a new story that's yeah. all we're, yeah. we're storytelling beings we yeah. have been since the beginning of time that's what we're doing. We're telling collective stories. At one point, we were telling stories that inspired people to build beautiful churches and do beautiful art and, and take their time to do something like the Sistine Chapel or, or yeah. some piece of art that would take yeah. forever. And now we buy art at Michael's and it's all, you know, the same piece of like artwork. Yeah. It's reproduced to make it look like it was painted by a human, yeah. but it's yeah. not. And, and it's all mass produced. I was talking yeah. to somebody the other day about dreams too, and it's like, when we lived in the forest and the jungle and we didn't have Instagram, you know, what were our dreams like then? You know, were they more similar? Were they more shared because we were all sharing a a very similar experience? Now they're all, they must be all very different because we're all taking in different information. You know, Uh, society before used to be more homogenous, more together. Like everybody used to go to the same church. They all used to believe in the same philosophy you know, if you grew up in a small town like my grandparents in Sicily, the ideologies weren't very different. They all lived in the same worldview. Like, that's that's where they were, and that was the story they lived in. Now, you walk through, you know, the average house or neighborhood, and everyone in every different room of that house with a different feed or YouTube channel that they follow on their phone is living in a different story. If you watch Fox News or you watch CNN, you're living in a different story. It's not the same anymore everyone's living in a different narrative and it's and it's amazing how like if this leads to the ai world and the machine learning and like yeah. all of us if we able to figure out how to control ai yeah. to serve the being the human being yeah. and not destroy us yeah. mm-hmm. then every single house will have the ai serving them and they build their own world yeah yeah, yeah. i can only imagine what's going to happen with ai but i think the one thing that like I think we're going to really start coming back to once we realize that it's complete chaos with all of us living in different stories. It's complete chaos. Like yeah. nobody really knows what anybody else is saying. We're yeah. all speaking different languages. Yeah. Like our words don't even add up anymore. Like when I say the word God, I was talking yeah. about this with you earlier. Yeah. I think I want to use the word God because I believe like I've, I've done the ayahuasca ceremonies. I've, I've been there. I know that there's something there and I want to use the word God to to express that because you know and i'm finding it through that but if you ask a hundred people what that word means you're gonna get a hundred different meanings just because that word you know co-opted yeah exactly like if you're a christian you understand it in a different way than if you're hindu than if you're if you're this or if you're atheist i know a lot of people if you use the word god yeah they they'll write it off. They'll yeah. be like, oh, what's that supposed to mean? Like, you know, oh, that that's crazy. That's mumbo jumbo. And it's like, we're not even speaking the same language yeah. anymore. You know, ideally, in an ideal world, we're all sharing. Um, we're all sharing. <laughs> in an ideal world, we're all speaking the same language. We all have the same word contexts and what i say translates into your internal dictionary and you understand what i'm expressing to you you know ideally 
But that's not always the case. I, I don't think that everyone's speaking the same language. Yeah. That's why I love the idea of, and I think we as a species, like we need it. Dreaming and psychedelics are two areas where the experience is going to be similar. Yeah. If not the same. And, you know, having that shared experience where it's not subjective, it's, it's like if you're diving deep into that realm, if you're really meeting that mystery, like we're all going to be finding the same truth in that. And I think that's really important right now as a species. I think, um, you know, Terrence McKenna, another quote from him, he said, you know, if anything, if anything does us in as a, as a human species, it'll be that, you know, no, none of us knew what one another was saying, you know? Yeah. Because we're all, we're all speaking, yeah. A different language, yeah. you know. If I say socialism, I'm thinking police, firefighters, ambulances, universal health care, taking care of the poor. Yeah. If you say socialism to somebody else, they think oppression, oppression, government control, yeah. communism. Yeah. You know, it's it's you can't use yeah. that word and assume objective meaning. Yeah, it's not there. You know, it's it's a really crazy world, and it's also really hopeful. I was. Um, watching this video about uh, population growth in the world and like how the population um, people used to have like five kids back in the day because of war and like disease and all that stuff and then eventually the technology took over and now we we are recommended to have only two kids and so on and so forth but like a lot of people freak out on like oh population of earth is like increasing but based on uh, based on this video was showing that data and research has been shown that actually in comparison to like 50 years ago the population growth is a lot less than before Mm -hmm. comparing to how many people like would have um they how many kids people would have uh, in their family also how many people would die now we have that a lot less and we we've been uh, educated and trained like if we cannot afford something if we are not like if we cannot take a responsibility if we don't take action on having a kid or having a children therefore this world eventually moves to a point of a balance of a balanced population to the point where we don't have that much of fluctuation of uh, increase of population and people how many people on earth no matter how many it is like let's say six billion seven billion people that is on earth then they would it would like stay on that term and each each one of them this is the future that i see it's not related to the video anymore but like these seven billion people basically become the um the hub for for technology like each one of us we if Mm. we take the ai and all that we can take take into like our own journey and like maybe travel to different planets who knows maybe thousand years from now oh yeah Mm. every every single one of us mm. like every single Mm. brain it matters yeah absolutely i think having that vision too i think that's really important to have people in the world that know that we're capable of that and to keep that like that's that's a thing that human beings can do like if you look at you know futurism and and um you know transhumanism transhumanism and and you know as far-fetched as you know you might think it it might be you know no like we're doing some wild things and who knows Mm. when ai just like i think if an AI starts reprogramming itself and getting smarter and smarter and it just exponentially expands mm. from there, like a lot of people are like, oh, that'll be the end of the world. No, 
I think that'll be the beginning oh, yeah. of a new world where it saves us from ourselves. The, the idea of genetic engineering, CRISPR, I don't know if you have heard about CRISPR. Yeah. But that, that idea, it's, it's so crazy that like they can modify, like they can literally build like an engineer baby, like a superhero that like or a human being that can go, can breathe in the space. And like if that idea it, it gets developed to the point that you just let AI to work on that mm. and make a perfect human being in a perfect condition that like it goes to the space and live there for 100 years and that 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 can only like open the door for exploration and like and mm. only serve the question the, the profound main questions of why are we here yeah, yeah. I, th- yeah. I think um that in itself is important to imagine to even be able to imagine that the reason yeah. we have cell phones is because some kid loves star trek yeah. When he was a kid, he was like, yeah. he's like, I think we're going to have these little glass <laughs> things in our pockets one day and we're going to be able to talk to each other from anywhere yeah. on the planet instantaneously yeah. and we're going to have something called the internet. And that kid's dream only became a reality because I think science fiction plays a big role in actual development. Like yeah. um, one of my favorite quotes is, uh, you know, whatever the human mind can conceive of and believe it can achieve. I think that was Andrew Carnegie, who was one of the richest okay. men in the world in like the yeah. 1800s. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, like if we if we yeah. if we can believe it, if we can see it as a possibility, then somebody's going to be working on it. You know, yeah. we're going to have somebody yeah. realistically actually working on that project. Yeah. But if we, are, you know, collectively are like, oh no, that'll never happen. That's too much. Well, then we're never going to put people to work on it. We're never going to have big minds, you know, chipping away at that process it's never going to happen so there's actually more value in imagining and entertaining that like childlike sense of wonder in science and like achieving the impossible because like 100 years ago this thing in my pocket was impossible but now i have a global telepathy device that lets me you know it's it's a level it's a game machine it's a hd camera it's you know what the heck is this thing in my pocket like this is this is unbelievable i can communicate with anybody in the world if i have their ip or number or what or email address yeah. like this is this is unbelievable oh yeah and yeah. that's totally possible to support the yeah. individuals to do that yeah. like there are ways to do it like ubi yeah no i think one of the yeah. things that's that's wild about tech yeah. just to, to end it yeah. on on uh this slot is is that the fact that anybody in the world can collaborate anybody like a doctor from switzerland or a phd from you know uh you know china can communicate with this guy in in, it's no longer snail mail it's no longer oh let me send you these documents i printed off and i'll get back to you by letter and and i'll wax stamp it and and we'll no it's instantaneous you can now have a virtual reality meeting where all of the greatest minds in the world no matter where they are on the planet, can all sit together in the same room and discuss something as though they were right beside each other. We we can teleport ourselves. A, a webcam chat, if you think about it, is you're teleporting. You know, maybe not physically, yeah, yeah. but mentally, you we are teleporting through the... We are bending space and time and teleporting yeah. through these portals in our hands that we call cell phones that yeah. most of us just Snapchat on and don't really take it for granted. Take for granted. <laughs> and we're completely jaded yeah. by this yeah. magical device yeah. that we have yeah. in our pockets. But oh, like... yeah. <laughs> All right. we, we, we get to um, UBI at the end because James worked at, um, at for a candidate 
for the uh, who believed in UBI heavily. But we will get back to that in, yeah. at the yeah. at the at very the end, end of the podcast. Yeah. What I wanted to tackle is um, you work at um, Z Float. Z Float, yeah, the company called Z Float. I do, yeah, sensory deprivation tank place. How long has it been? It's been about a year and a few months. It started in April of 2018. And what do you do there? I'm a float facilitator. Uh, I help people in other tanks. I clean the place. I help with their social media, so uh, advertising. Can you- can you walk us through like how how does it go as uh, if I want I walk into the float tank studio and just like come and talk to you guys and how does the whole procedure go until like I go and like out of my mind and floating <laughs> yeah I mean I recommend calling ahead and uh, making an appointment uh, you know there's a little video online I usually recommend people watch um, and then I, I, yeah you come in I give you the tour I give you the rundown of the facilities I usually like. It's nice to have people know what they're getting into before they come in. And most people do, unless they got it as a gift and we're just like, yeah, I don't know what this is about, but like a friend got it for me. And then I try to like give them a little bit more info. But when people come in, I, I try not to interfere with their expectations too much. If they already have read about it and like have an idea of what they're getting themselves into, I do my best to just kind of take a step back and be like, all right, here's the facility. This is where the soap is. This is where this is. This is how I like to hold my hands. It's really comfortable. Uh, mm-hmm. Enjoy, you know. And uh, what's in the water? Is it salt? Like, is a heavy amount of salt? It's is a in the water? thousand pounds of Epsom salt. Okay. Yeah. So you shouldn't put your head under the water. No. No. Flo- float on your back. That's probably the best recommendation. You don't want to float face down. That's bad for you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> unless unless you have gills to breathe. Unless you have gills. Yeah. So I had um, the idea of like the salt. It comes from. Um, 12 years ago i was uh in one of the cities in iran which was a salt lake mm-hmm. and this this place was a lake but because of the um global warming not global warming, well the the temperature of the earth and in that area the water goes down and the only remaining would be the salt and like the mm-hmm. low level lake where when we went like 1000 steps in uh inside this lake and the water was only like uh above like our hip Mm-hmm. And uh, at that time, there was like me and uh, my little uncle. We went in. We went in. There were just two of us, and there's like a fog around us, completely. And, and this fog just like showed up out of nowhere and like took over. And we were like, "Holy fuck! We have to stay there, stay here until this whole thing like gets cleared out. Doesn't matter how many hours." But the, the amount of salt it was so much that when you put push your hand down. Like the density of the water pushes your hand like back up to the surface. Yeah. Completely. Same idea. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hell. It's so therapeutic because you don't, and the water and the temperature, everything was just perfect. So you just, you don't really feel your hand in there. When it's like floating, you just like feel that like, this is therapeutic. And especially that like all around you is like completely white and there's nothing around you. I felt this is like naturally therapeutic and i'm i was just so grateful to be in that moment and meditating on it yeah yeah just i mean the salt itself the magnesium is super good for your body and your skin but i mean yeah the idea it's the closest thing you can get to zero gravity unless you're like in like one of those airplanes that like you know the vomit comet unless you're in one of those like there's no other way to to feel what it feels like to be held like that to yeah. be in zero gravity to to float yeah 
And you guys uh, keep the temperature, same as temperature of the body, so yeah. people don't feel where the body ends. The idea is to have, yeah, no, no senses. So your sense of body kind of fades away. Uh, if you do it right, uh, the only thing that's left that you really feel of yourself is your heartbeat and your breath. That's about it. Wow. You can feel like the blood moving through your, through your body. How many times have you done it? Do you do it every day there? <laughs> End <laughs> no. of the day, you're just um, like, okay, I'm going to float. For you know, bit. I could have done it more. I've done it about 50 times. 50 times. Wow. Yeah. 50. I haven't even done it once. I should, I should come over. I've done it once. <laughs> yeah. It's really good. You know, good. the difference between the first float and the 10th is really... It's like layers of an onion. I think Joe Rogan's talked about this on his podcast before, but like it really... Like your body and your brain after a while starts to understand where you are and it's like, oh, I'm in the tank. Like I can, you know, get to that state again. But it's, it's like layers. Um, it's like learning how to really let go. Like my first float... I was still very much in my body. I was still, you know, uh, I didn't really get into that like brainwave shifting. Um, like it gets to a point in the tank where like you, you have a noticeable shift, like your brainwave state shifts and you're in a different zone. How long, depending on the person? Uh, it took me like, I would say it was like my 10th float before I really like realized like, oh, like there's there's that beyond there's that space that you can get to and it's funny the first time i experienced it it was like it happened and then i got a little scared <laughs> you know it kind of immediately came back um when you say shift mm. how does it shift like what what yeah. happens like um what what, what was the thoughts like sensation. what were your thoughts and sensation everything yeah. it gets a little bit more visual kind of hip, hypnagogic Hyp, hypnagogia is like when you close your eyes and you kind of see lights and colors and patterns yeah. um like even right now if you close your eyes you can kind of see something that's yeah that's hypnagogia um there's more of that and there's also um it's kind of like that state between waking and, and sleeping like kind of yeah. like when you're just waking yeah. up from a dream and like you're a little bit more aware of like the depth of that inner world uh it's kind of like the mind opens up a little bit mm. more um Kind of like with, you know, the average psychedelic experience. It's yeah. like a part of the brain that isn't on or active kind of activates and it's and it's noticeable. Yeah, the, the thought process, all the <laughs> definition of this world, it becomes like a mushy blob and like the, the, um, like the real silence comes to play and you're like... Yeah, yeah. you know, I think <laughs> when if I'm speaking really to the heart of the matter with this stuff... Um, Something I'm finding with all these experiences, the tank, psychedelics, lucid dreaming, meditation, all the books I'm reading, all the philosophies that I'm getting into, like, we are consciousness experiencing itself in bodies. And I'm living in this node named James, and you're living in these bodies, you know? Yeah. And um, we're all part of the same field is is kind of what i'm coming to with this stuff um and it's i'm not the first one to come to it <laughs> no I, I got to that point too yeah you're exactly right yeah. you know it, it's it's the it, we're all one we're all one we're all it, one it sounds like a cliche and it's not it's not it's not hey guys <laughs> you know we well, we think we're separate islands yeah. we're not really um I'm coming to realize, like, I can draw it out as a picture. I kind of had to have this conversation with my girlfriend because we were, we were arguing one day and it was just getting maddening. And I was like, 
I drew a picture of these waves. And like the crests of the waves is, is us. We're the peak of each wave. We're consciousness coming to yeah. a head, being birthed into a body. Yeah. Um, a theory that I really like, a guy from Mind Valley, uh, his name is uh, uh, Vishen Lakiani. Yeah, yeah, love that guy. Yeah. Um, he talks about the godical theory. Everyone, yeah. We're all particles of God. Yeah. I, I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we're all these, like the crests of these waves, and underneath the surface, what we really are is this field that's, in my experience, very loving, whole, indiscriminate, unconditionally loving, the yeah. great Om, the great whatever you want to call it, God, yeah. spirit, whatever word, the unified field, whatever word feels good to you, life force, whatever. That's what we are. And we're these little waves and we're trying to talk to each other from the top with symbols yeah. and like yeah. we're using words and we're using math and we're using uh you know we're hugging each other and we're loving each other and in you know physical ways and, and a lot of it's getting lost in translate translation we're trying to connect but we're these two waves trying to connect you know up here above the yeah. surface yeah and a lot of us feel so alone and separate yeah. and it's like oh i can't connect with anybody i'm not you know, this person doesn't understand me and I don't know how to talk to them and like, you know, this relationship with my family is this or that. And it's like, the only relationship that you're ever <laughs> going to have forever is with you, with yeah. yourself. Like yeah. our relationship to ourself, to life force, to God, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. That's the only relationship I'm finding that like, it's really valuable to work on and to get in tune with and to develop and to learn how to pray or whatever you want to call it you can call it manifestation or affirmations or prayer or just realize that the words you're using when you're talking to yourself have an, an effect you can look at yourself in the mirror every day and say terrible things you can worry and worry is like a prayer for the thing that you don't want worry is like tr you know trusting that the bad thing's gonna happen you know um and it cannot be as valid as it is for yourself no, it sucks. Yeah. It doesn't feel nice, yeah. you know, and yeah. we're in control of that. So something I learned, uh, I was talking about this earlier with you, I did a Vipassana, a 10-day silent retreat. Hmm. And I learned there that our thoughts, just because we have a thought doesn't mean it's true. We have thoughts. They're not they're not true thoughts, especially when we're saying nasty things about ourselves or about other people. They're what we learned. They're our programming. They're, uh, you know, some way of being some automatic reaction that maybe we got from a parent or a teacher or a sibling or, mm. you know, a relationship. But those thoughts can change. I've witnessed mine change. We don't have to keep the same old ones if they don't serve us. And a lot of the times they drive us nuts <laughs> and, and they're in, entirely, you know, it's part of that story, that narrative that we were talking about before. Like we're, we're living in stories, we're living in narratives. So if we can get on board with a narrative that has us feel connected and grounded, um, you know, when we go in things like the tank, there's nothing to be afraid of. What are we afraid of other than ourself? Like that's something I realized in the tank is that, you know, at first I was anxious. I was scared of the tank. Like it, it made me really nervous to go in. Like I was feeling mm -hmm. kind of, you know, when I would have that moment of breakthrough, I would, you know, gasp and kind of come back and like, oh, okay, I'm in my body, you know, that comfortable separateness. 
the only thing I'm afraid of. The only thing I've ever been afraid of is, is me, myself. I'm afraid of my own self, you know, my own thoughts, my own, um, you know, nightmares. And that's why the shadow work in lucid dreaming, uh, <laughs> it all ties in. It's all kind of yeah. pointing to the same thing. Um, it's all aspects of self. And if we can learn how to love ourselves, uh, even the dark parts of ourselves, even the parts that we don't like, the parts that we want to shun or like, you know, oh, I'm having this nightmare. I just wish it would stop. Like, I, I, I hate this or I hate that. Well, you hate yourself when you're hating something. We yeah, often yeah. don't realize that um, the, everything that is around us, everything that is surrounding us is affecting of who we are and we become a reflection of all everything around us yeah. and that that becomes us and those reflections is basically the mask that we put on every day and these masks like build up over over and over yeah. and these masks it reflects in on instagram on yeah. snapchat and all these mm. social medias and it becomes a pattern of like why should i take a selfie of myself why should i like mm. put a picture of myself on the media why mm. should i be proud of like mm. what like what i born mm. with or something mm -hmm. right and all these these things it becomes it it becomes like a question mm -hmm. whereas you you have no answer for it but you just do it automatically mm -hmm. and you don't really realize it that mm -hmm. you you're not being aware of who you are and like that self-value get dissolved mm -hmm. a, a lot of, sorry so yeah another thing really important thing with like the, sh the dreams and everything is like a lot of time, uh, PTSD, trauma, mm -hmm. appears, starts appearing in the dream. Like flashbacks, mm -hmm. triggers, they all appear in your dream, yeah. trying to get your attention. Okay, this, that thing happened to you was not something nice and you have to face it. And this totally relates to that kind of like the theory of like, what were you talking about? The, sh the shadow aspect of you asking for Absolutely. approval? Absolutely. Um, it, it's... It's all aspects of self, like like what you're saying. We're we are reflecting our, our our world back to us. How we perceive the world is a reflection of the thoughts we're having. How how we're perceiving it, like how we see the world, is how the world is to us. That's how we're seeing it. But how we see the world is subjective, and it can be changed. And different people see the world in different ways. So then, what's true? What story of the world is true? Right. Um, and with our PTSDs and with these shadow elements, a lot of the times we project projection is, has been a really powerful lesson for me. Um, so projection is like we're placing that thing that we don't like in another person. We're seeing something in another person that we don't like or in a situation. And it's like, oh, you know, I, I don't like this for this and that reason. It's, it's all a reflection. It's all a projection of self, right? How I see... Um, so a big example that I, I like to give um, when it really comes into um, learning how to love everyone, because I think that's the fundamental base. If, if, if we're projecting out and, and we're creating the world that we see, then it's my responsibility to see things with love. That's how I feel personally. That's that's my path is love, love everyone and do my best to take responsibility for seeing the true nature of people. The fact that we're all we're all in it together and that people are the way they are, you know, by no fault of their own. You know, a lot of people judge, 
and, and like, oh, I hate this person because they did this or that, or, or you know, it's easy to hate on other people or, or, to, or to judge. Um, so I like to give an example of like, imagine like a cartel member, someone who really has PTSD, someone who's really gone through some crap. Maybe, you know, at one point, right now he's 35. He looks like the epitome of evil. He's got tattoos. He's covered in, you know, gang signs. You know, he's he's killed people. He's he's sold cocaine. He's destroyed farms. He, he's done some some shit. This guy. At one point, that guy was seven years old. You know, something might have happened to him. Maybe his family, you know, was was murdered in front of him, and the cartel adopted him. Now we we condemn him though. He's thirty five. He should know better. He's doing bad things because of this and that reason. He deserves to rot in hell. He's a, he's a tra- traumatized seven year old still. He's 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 somebody who who went through some shit that he lived through. That just happened to be where he was, and he just happened to be adopted by the cartel, and he just happened to have to grow up in a, a you know horrible situation. And he's suppressing it. And he's suppressing it, and he's acting it out, and he's you know taking maybe revenge on the world or he thinks that that's how he's supposed to survive because that's the programming that's the story he lives in those are the the people that raised him were that way they treated people that way that's just how he thinks he's supposed to live but he never had the time between 7 and 35 to process his trauma he never had the time to 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 understand psychology and you know realize that what he was doing was causing harm you know um and so in Brazil, I think it's Brazil, um, what they were doing was they were doing ayahuasca ceremonies with prisoners in Brazil. And these people were healing. These cartel members were going into these ayahuasca experiences and seeing what they had done. And like, if you've done ayahuasca, you guys... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah you purge. Like you you, you see do. the stuff. Like, one of my purges was just seeing how I spoke to my parents. It wasn't very nice. And so these guys are going into ayahuasca experiences and they are having these harrowing, like vomiting, you know, purging experiences, realizing all the pain and suffering they've caused and all the lives that they've taken. And, and, and just like they kind of have to relive, they have to atone in a way for the things that they did. And even though they've done all these terrible things, they're healing. And, you know, this plant medicine forgives, you know, if you can you know, appreciate and see that you've done something terrible, uh, you know, and you can heal, you know, we have that tool available to us now, but people in Brazil are like, no, they don't, they deserve to rot in hell. These people, these people should be condemned forever. And, uh, you know, they, they should, they don't deserve happiness because they cause pain. But when does the cycle end? When does the cycle of violence and condemnation end? If we're not willing to forgive the worst of the worst and see that they are someone who never had the opportunity to heal and all of the things that they're acting out were things that, you know, yeah, it would seem like to a normal person that that's a bad thing to do. But to a person in that situation, that's what he had to do to survive, you know, and he did terrible things. And we can, as a society... You know, and if you do, if you've done ayahuasca, you understand that, like, it's not just as simple as forgiving and accepting what they did. Like, it's not okay that they killed people. It's not okay that they, you know, tore down family farms and, and, and did these awful things. That's not, a, that's not an okay thing. You're not, um, you know, condoning their behavior. And you can still allow them 
to heal. And once that's why like I only realized that with plant medicines for myself, like realizing that I could heal from what I healed from anyone can, doesn't matter how bad you were, like you can heal. And so I think that's something people do is, is, and I think it's natural. It's learned, but we we really hate on people. We, yeah. we really shame people. We really like you know yeah. when someone's doing a behavior that we don't like inside of ourselves. You know, we really like just because they're different. Judge doesn't mean that we should like hate them or something. Mm-hmm. Just because they're different than us and they have different opinions, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that like we should really take that judgment face on. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And every person's trauma is valuable for themselves. Like for it, sure. I, you shouldn't really like disvalue somebody else's trauma. Yeah. And like being, oh, that's nothing. The experiences that you had, I had worse. Dude, dude, that comparison, and yeah. sometimes you hear from some some people, they're like, oh yeah. man. <laughs> I like to go to the extreme example of like something like that, so that way it makes lighter of all the the smaller stuff. Like a lot of us, like, oh, you're Republican, you're Democrat. You know what I mean? And if you hear somebody's, you know, Republican, it's like, oh, you must be this, 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 and this, and it's like, you're not really like seeing the person as they as they are you're not really seeing that like they grew up in a household with these with these philosophies they grew up you know at a church that that instilled this in them like a lot of people come from backgrounds you know i I think religion is a type of trauma and a lot of people just oh you're a crazy christian no this person was 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 traumatized they they were you know put through hell and they were told that hell was real and that they might go there. Every week they yeah. practice that in their brain. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Every week they practice that in their brain. Yeah. Yeah. That they would go to yeah. hell if they didn't do this or that. Yeah. And now they're acting crazy and we're judging them and saying, Oh, how could you believe that? That's how could you condemn gay people? And they think that the gay person's gonna go to hell for being gay. They think it's good to condemn them. They think it's good to, to remind them that, hey, you know, I know you're gay, but I can't accept you because, you know, I don't want you to burn in hell. Mm. And we look at that and we're like, how ignorant, that's terrible. No, that's their belief system. That was practiced in their brain. Like, you know, we can't Repetition. (laughs) Like everything else, you you want to learn a skill, you have to repeat it. Repeat it. Yeah. 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 So, So it's all learned ways of being, right? And I think that's something that in our culture, we have this collective PTSD, this, this, we believe that the earth or the, you know, as a Western society, we believe that it's made of angels and demons, dark and light, and that evil and good, there's this constant battle between good and evil. That's a story from Christianity. Other religions don't have that. Buddhism doesn't, they don't believe in evil. Like, Buddhists believe, um, so the bardo, I love the bardo theory. Buddhists yeah. believe that when you die, you'll be met with like the 10 terrors or like 10 demons, essentially. Um, and they they practice, there's a Buddhist practice of feeding your demons, where they believe that these demon monsters that we see are actually aspects of self, aspects of ourselves that we can learn how to love, and that we, if we actually listen to them, they actually want, they're trying to get our attention in these scary ways, right? But they actually are... If we're all one, you know, even in the subconscious realm, even in dream realm, even in the psychedelic realm, there's not these separate elements. It's all part of the whole and it's just sort of fragmented so that we can understand ourselves. You know what I mean? God separated in order to, so it could see itself and, and see itself from different vantage points. And so there's scary things and light things. And so that's why in my dream, like that demon monster can transform. 
into something else. So I think a lot of us are operating in the world thinking that evil, you know, is a real thing. And, and some people are evil or some people are possessed by demons or, or whatever. I think evil is born of the human mind. I think it's a story that we created. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think, I think uh, another Buddhist thing is, you know, Christians believe in original sin. Buddhists, I think it's Buddhists, believe in, uh, or a section of Buddhists anyways, uh, original goodness. I forget the word, the term they use mm-hmm. for it. They, they believe that every baby is born good. And everything that, you know, they learn, all the knowledge they accumulate, you know, turns into things like hating a group yeah. so much that you'll commit genocide. That's yeah. all learned. Uh, yeah. The baby didn't have thoughts of genocide. If that baby was loved and hugged and nurtured and, and didn't, you know, develop those ideas over the years... It wouldn't have been, you know, it wouldn't have developed that character. You know, a, a baby is inherently, <laughs> you know, a baby. It's yeah. it's it can be given whatever thought you decide to give it or whatever programming you you put into it. Exactly. When the parents like feed their baby and like they make their their baby to be as obese as they are and like their life is sad and everything. They you don't feed... have to go there. Yeah, I know, right? But like, <laughs> but it's, it's the same not. terminology of like yeah. you feed your baby with like re- negative thoughts and like negative yeah. environment or like hate these kind of people yeah. or like love this kind of people. Be always like all these thoughts yeah. like it forms in like yeah. families. Yeah, and don't in the uh, I guess like let's not go there. Yeah. We're um, even we are even <laughs> judging those parents but like yeah, it might be the whole environment like what yeah. you're you're like yeah. born in a country well, that is going through war like well i'm born no, in iran and yeah. raised there so yeah. I, there's it, nothing you, yeah. they can yeah. do like that's the best knowledge they have and that, they, yeah. that's the thing we, we can forgive people i yeah. think yeah. those parents don't know better that's what they learned to be good exactly. they think they're doing their yeah. kids a favor and preparing yeah. them for how the world is you yeah. know like the world is a crazy place, so I'm going to make you just as crazy yeah. and suffer so hard because the world is full of craziness yeah. and suffering. So I'm going to prepare you by ma- making you crazy and making you suffer. And it's like, if their worldview is different, they would instill you with yeah. different things. But there are, people's worldviews aren't any fault of their own. That's what I'm like. No, that's very yeah. true. My dad even yeah. like told me when I was um, 22 or something, he, he said... Uh, I didn't know any better. Back in the day, he came back to Iran and he supported uh, the regime that did really made uh, Iran like a lot worse than like it, Iran was like going to become like a Western uh, Western country, become like a Western country, yeah. like like U.S. and uh, and Canada, and that's where they were like leading. And then uh, there was a regime change happened forty years ago, and my dad was part of it. He literally he quit. Um, He's been offered in the Sheffield University in uh, in UK to become a teacher because he studied there. And he decided that, no, I want to go back to Iran and be part of this revolution. And he came back and he did be very part of the revolution. All these years passed. He had, he had me. I'm 22 years old. He comes to me and tells me, I didn't know any better. Like, this is, this is yeah. basically everything that yeah. the environment and all the... Um, people that they were around him, they affected him to come to that mm-hmm. thought process and that make that decision. One big thing from this is like once you realize that you really don't need to judge people and you really can't really change a lot of. I mean, you can change a lot of things, but like once you lose the responsibility of judging people and like looking them through a lens, mm-hmm. your life just becomes so much more like relaxed. Yeah. You're like, <sighs> yeah. 
Oh, totally. Yeah. The only yeah. so responsibility, that word for me, I hear it as response ability. I used to think yeah. it was really heavy, but it's actually it's actually pretty freeing. Responsibility yeah. is we have the ability to respond. Yeah. Which is which is actually like, oh, how great is that? That like yeah. I can actually choose my response. It doesn't have to be automatic. Yeah. And so when we when we realize that our judgments don't have to be automatic and how we see people don't have to it doesn't have to be an automatic process we can choose how we want to react to those people. So instead of being like, oh, they're crazy, they should know better, they should... We can look at people like your father and say, oh, I understand, like, I forgive you. And he even acknowledges, yeah. I didn't know any better. Well, take his word for it. He didn't. And if he did, he would have done something differently. That at the time, he didn't know better. And so we could hold on to that and we could judge and we could condemn and we could, you know, a lot of us, you know, I know a lot of people that, you know, hold on to things and don't forgive and it's like that doesn't feel good inside of us yeah. you know we're holding on we're n- it's just a baggage that it adds yeah. up to like everything that you're carrying you yeah know, you just carry that carry that burden on your shoulder yeah, yeah. we don't even realize yeah. but it's harming us yeah <laughs> like, yeah. And, yeah and when we don't forgive them it's a baggage we are carrying yeah. so yeah. it's like we're not forgiving like, part of ourselves, you yeah, know. Once yeah. we forgive someone and realize they didn't know better, they didn't understand. If they did know better at the time, they would have made a better choice. Yeah. We can extend that to ourselves, you know. Yeah. We can realize, oh, all those decisions I made that I still judge myself for, I didn't know any better, and I, if I did, would have made a different decision, you know. And you realize that, you know it's the same way you can extend that compassion like for other people i think i had to learn how to do it for other people first before i really understood how to have compassion for myself you know i had to really understand that other people's decisions and thought processes and worldviews weren't their fault and once i realized it wasn't their fault it was like oh it's not my fault either or maybe that was the total opposite. Maybe I had to learn that for myself. <laughs> I had to learn that for myself, and then I could extend it outwards. <laughs> any, yeah. any learning is good. <laughs> as long as you learned it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, sure. what is the shadow term in lucid dreaming? Like, what does shadow it mean? Shadow work. Shadow work. Like, what does it mean? How, yeah. So, the shadow is an aspect of yourself that um, manifests or, or pops up as something dark or scary um there's actually the the dream teacher i listen to a guy named charlie morley um talks about two shadows he talks about the dark shadow and the golden shadow so both of these things are things we tend to avoid because we're scared of them and they're all aspects of self so the dark shadow could manifest as like that demon monster in the dream that i had earlier um and you know if you face it you realize that the answer is actually quite simple you know pay more attention to that aspect of yourself. Um, It's almost like your brain is speaking in metaphors. It's giving you these metaphorical uh, images or characters that represent parts of yourself that are relationships that you kind of need to heal. Um, And, you know, Carl Jung, I think, coined the the term shadow. And uh, he he described it as like, we're all coming to wholeness, right? Like our our fundamental like identity is that wholeness, that oneness. And we kind of have fragmented ourselves, right? We we think that, you know, there's these kinds of people and these kinds of people and and these worldviews and these thoughts and and this aspect of myself. But it's like, it's no, you're all one. It's all one thing, one happening. Uh, So the shadow is, 
is kind of like what people would perceive as evil, like the demon monster, the the part of us that we cast out of ourselves and say, that's not me. I'm not that bad thing, you know? And, and then you never even look at it or pay attention to it. And then you run away from it in your dreams every night and, and you never actually face it. And it just kind of festers under the surface, right? Yeah. Um, and then there's the golden shadow. The golden shadow is all the things about you that are the greatest, like your golden shadow is like if you were really living fully self-expressed, if you were living your truest, freest, most open self, if you were the artist, the musician, the creator, the the person who you know you're capable of becoming, you know, that's a scary thought too. To 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 really be your greatest self, like that then put yourself out into the world and like up for judgment. It's very vulnerable. It's very scary, but that's in us. That's, that's something that's in us. And, you know, um, Carl Jung also said like a root, a tree's roots can't reach to heaven or a a tree's branches can't reach to heaven unless it's roots reach down to hell. So like exploring your dark shadow, you know, the same side of the coin is also experiencing that that's power. That's, something inside of you that you can become that's that's you know we're usually in the middle point where we're avoiding either one or the other but once you realize that the dark is all you you realize that you can become you know your greatness as well that was powerful (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. i think Every every time we have our personality that we have with our friends, we have personality with the our meditation group, we have our social circle and like when every time we fragment it differently in different situations, we are just breaking ourselves. That's what I feel yeah. like. We're and coming farther away from and ourselves. It doesn't feel like you're connecting to the true self. And if you if you have like people which are going out for alcohol and drinks and everything where you have to act differently, that's probably not the best place for you no. to be. No. Yeah, and just change your environment. Yeah. Just change your friends. You know, it's <laughs> the reason is connection, though. We're yeah. all trying to connect, yeah. right? Like, yeah. we're all the peaks of those waves, yeah. you know, not really knowing how to connect. And yeah. that's why I think sports. Sports is so powerful. So yeah. many men watch sports. Why? You know, well, it's the one place yeah. where you're going to high-five and hug each other and get passionate and talk about something with, like, energy and, like... Teamwork. Oh, you know, teamwork. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. like, oh, yeah, we did it, guys. Like, yeah. yeah. And yeah. you're cheering together. Like, there's that camaraderie. Mm. Like, sports creates connection. And that's mm. why I think so many men are so attracted to sports because it's, mm. like, the time they get to go out and really bond with their with their boys. And, like, there's not a lot of other places yeah. in our culture other than the bar you know yeah, yeah we can yeah. go and have those bonding experiences and like the the stories that it gets built during the the whole session like i play soccer and like but sometimes like we go forward and then um, there's like um people like changing the in the team usually but like you see uh like oh i'm playing with victor now so i pass victor victor passes to me and it goes and it should a score and they're like or i pass back and all these stories get like built in the field same as like a basketball same as like baseball all okay. and these it's just amazing feelings it's a lot of fun they're amazing <laughs> yeah, feelings so like how yeah, great does it feel yeah. to oh, connect yeah, yeah, yeah. and like yeah. especially like you know if we're all one and and yeah. we're 
you know, going down the field, going for a goal, and we're we're operating in unison. It's like you know, it's like we're symbiotic. Like you know, you passed to me. It's like you yeah. saw me over here. You kicked yeah. to me, and yeah, like yeah, yeah. we did it together. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's oh it, man. Yeah. The other yeah. the other time I was like going toward the goalie, and then the goalie, um, I was getting really close to it, so goalie came to my foot. And then I hear one of my teammates, he just like yelled at me, Solar behind you. And like, so before I shoot, I just passed behind me and he shot, he take the shot. Yeah. And I was like, fuck, that was amazing. Just the fact that like, he just like running yeah. and he sees the situation and like, oh, like maybe he's in trouble. Yeah. Maybe he cannot finish it because he doesn't yeah. have a good yeah. angle. Maybe like if I go and he made that decision, he's just like running really crazy to like help the team. And like that whole feeling, it was... Yeah. It, it, he didn't score, but what <laughs> <laughs> still felt so awesome. But it was so fucking awesome. <laughs> still, it was awesome. Yeah. yeah, and like how how often and like in what other situation in our life is there that high of an energy? Yeah, you know, yeah. there's yeah. not many unless we create those yeah. those experiences. There's not a lot of like high energy masculine bonding in yeah. this culture. You know, and it's really up to us. Like it's really up to up to each person that they build that community. They show up and they they make that um, connection. Yeah, I think connection and love are the biggest forces in this. Like for any living conscious being. Yeah, which which is why I think relationship breakups feel so much more hard because we Mm -hmm. lose that love and like that connection. And it's yeah. You can't really have anything else in life that would hurt that much more. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why, like, it's my priority is, like, coming to wholeness. Like, my relationship with myself. Like, there, I I will never again, like, I I know this in my life, I will never again get so attached to another person that my sense of self-worth, you know, my sense of self-love, you know, who I am, like, my my value, none of that is going to be tied up in another person's opinion of me ever again. Like it's it's not even I'm not emotionally capable of it anymore because I know that like that person's opinion is that person's opinion and who I am like it's a projection. Like yeah. I didn't understand yeah. projection back then, right? Yeah. And yeah. if somebody decides that they don't like me or that, you know, and if it's a harsh breakup or if it's Yeah. we got to understand that like how we're being seen by that person is just how we're being seen by that person and yeah. that who we are isn't is so much more and if we come to know who we are then it it doesn't matter like we'll never get to the point of being so capable of being hurt yeah if you're limitless you're like <laughs> everything <laughs> yeah i have this friend uh yeah. she, she she has she has with this guy for about like a year and a half and uh so i i was like you guys live together and she's like no no, I, I live alone. He lives alone. And uh, your boyfriend, girlfriend is great, but I would never want to live with him. <laughs> like, so what kind of relationship is it? Yeah. And she's like, no, it's, it's great. It's actually one of the best relationships I ever had because I get to spend time with myself and like, and I have, I have an understanding of who I am and he has an understanding of who he is, his self-value and my self-value doesn't get interrupted, disrupted. And but I well people have different relationships and that's like a form of it. It's I think we just grew up in a culture where the norm is the nuclear family, like the you know one man one wife covenant with God. You know, Uh, it's very religious. It's a very religious idea. Uh, And you know you have your family. You buy your car, your refrigerator, your lawnmower, 
you know, you have all your own stuff. You go on, you know, your vacations, and, you know, hopefully it's a bigger vacation than the guy next door. It's very competitive, and, and we've been kind of put into this culture, I think, where that's the norm for relationships, you know, and that's the norm for how we relate to, like, you know, each other and different couples and different families. Back in the day, like, if you go to a native tribe, it wasn't like that. Nope. It, everybody's it, family in a whole Everybody's time. family. They, they, you know, if you, if you look at... You know, even some, uh, you know, if you go back, um, I know a lot of the Canadian indigenous history, a lot of that was, you know, erased. Uh, we kind of culturally, you know, wiped a lot of that out. But tribes people, like, they, it, it's not one man, one wife. Like, every mother is the mother to all the children in the tribe. And every father is the father to all the children in the in the tribe. And there's no, like, a lot of the times they don't even know who the father is because that mother didn't only have a relationship with one man in that tribe. Like, there was no exclusivity. You know, human beings are a lot more like bonobos <laughs> than, than they are. It's our culture and our stories that had us relate to one another uh, in the ways that we do. And, you know, I'm currently in a relationship that's you know like that i live in you know one house with my one girlfriend but i know that that's not what I, i've lived it and i know that that's not what i want for the future like i i know that i i'm and she knows that too and she understands she comes from a really christian background but you know that being that sounds great like what your friend has like yeah. imagine a, a state where your self-value isn't dependent on you know what that other person says or or does or you know I find sometimes we take things so personally and like who I am and how I'm being like how she sees me is like so important to me. Like as much as like I I'm talking about like oneness and wholeness, like my girlfriend is still the one person who, who like if she has like a negative opinion or like something that like it, it's so ingrained in me that like she if she wanted to, she could really get me down. <laughs> you know, I like I, I don't that's not something it's something that we're working through. <laughs> but but the idea that like we choose. We yeah, choose we each other. We choose every yeah. single yeah. action. We choose to go out. We choose all of that. We don't have to like come back to the same place. And we also have uh, that vulnerability in our head that like yeah. every moment this can get like this can be over. Mm-hmm. But like we choose to still like be together and yeah. stay together yeah. because of the value, the yeah. self value that my boyfriend yeah. has for yeah. himself or my yeah. girlfriend has for himself mm-hmm. for herself. Yeah. yeah. Or because we don't want to hurt yeah. people. Yeah. 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 We we always keep our heart on the table and like hope that the other person doesn't stab it with a knife or a fork. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, something like that. But yeah, you know, home what... is home is where the heart is. So imagine yeah. if your home was separate from hers. <laughs> you know, then it's on your table. Yeah. You can take care of it. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, yeah it, it's we don't have to live in that style. Like that's something I'm yeah. learning. It's like we can choose to live in a different style of relationship. And I think a lot of us are these days. And yeah, I, I think that's yeah. a good thing. Most of these ayahuasca ceremonies, they also promote the idea that everybody's a family. The earth yeah. is your family. Everything Completely. around you, we all, uh, as a planet, the human being, animal, everything yeah. around you, we are all one. We create the separation. We create these ego identities. Like, you know, if a... Uh, in my girlfriend's you know we've we've moved through a lot of this stuff but like you know if i even just like looked at another girl or was attracted it was like you know the the eyes i would get <laughs> just like um yeah it, it kind of affected her self-esteem and it's like no 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 like you're beautiful and i love you you know and 
that girl's beautiful too. <laughs> you know? Okay. <laughs> like, there's nothing wrong with it. Like, why is it exclusive? Why is it that in our culture, it's, it's, you know, it's made so that, you know, and it's not every relationship, you know, that, that might have been ours, you know, other girlfriends might respond differently. But, like, why is it that, like, finding another person attractive is so devastating? It's like, it's because we've ta- been taught that, like, the other person should be the end-all, be-all. They should be the one person we love and are the most attracted to and that we confide in for everything and that we can talk about, f- with you know, for every topic. And it's like, why did we put so much on one person, you know? When did we decide to, like, you know, as a culture to just put it all in one person? I think it comes from religion because yeah. if you listen to the typical uh, ceremony, it's like, you're getting married, but, like, under Jesus and may Jesus be part of your relationship and may that you may you raise your children Roman Catholic <laughs> I dare you to divorce yeah I dare you like you will be breaking sure. the covenant with God yeah. <laughs> I was at a cousin's wedding not long ago and uh, they straight up asked they said do you uh, do you swear that you will raise your child as Roman Catholic, oh, and I was like, "Oh my God!" Like, and they were like, "I do," and I was like, you're, "You don't like you're like I know that they won't. <laughs> I know that they won't." But they're up on they're up on stage, and they're like, "Yep, no, like, like what? you you just started your marriage off with a straight up lie. Like you just straight up lied. Unless you're super Catholic, and I don't know in private, and you're like, okay, then okay, like that's fine. Maybe I'm just judging, but like probably not though." <laughs> You know, but like they do it for the culture. They do it for grandma. They do it for, and it's like, why are we doing it for grandma? What makes us happy? What kind of wedding do we want, if any? We don't have to have a wedding, you know? But a lot of people are getting married and it's it's not for them, you know? That poor kid. (laughs) (laughs) You know, doesn't know any better. No, you know? And I, I get it. Some people do follow that. You know, my parents raised yeah. me as Roman Catholic. They followed their vows very seriously. I was an altar boy until I was 15 years old. You know, mm-hmm. I turned out all right. But, you know, I found God in things outside of the church. And, you know, I feel I feel a lot less guilt and shame about my sexuality <laughs> than I did when I was 15. You know, but, yeah. They, yeah, they really instill that in you. The, the guilt and the shame about things, you know. You feel guilty about, you know. Yeah being attracted to other women or, or this or that and it's yeah. like you religion is, you're a human it's okay yeah. well it's, <laughs> forgive yourself <laughs> there's like i i guess it's also changing like it becomes like all of those religions like because of all these critiques and everything on them and it becoming like they call it modern christianity or modern islam and like and it, it, yeah. it's like changing its opinion and slowly be, yeah. like dimming down to to a lot more like respect yourself respect each other respect everybody mm-hmm. so uh, even like i think everything is going to be better no matter like all these um divisions that has been made for like hundreds and hundreds to thousands of years yeah. um for lucid dreaming um mm-hmm. what are the practices like what is the first step for somebody to start journal just write them down if you can't write them down draw them if you can't draw draw them anyways you stick (laughs) you stick figures drawing yeah seriously if you don't practice you're not going to get you know you're not going to get good at you're not going to remember if your brain doesn't remember that it needs to remember yeah then it it won't get good at it Uh, you won't flex that memory muscle so part of becoming lucid is if every morning 
you put your brain into the situation of remembering, okay, I was here. Uh, I saw this, this happened, you know, I was in this space, there was these people were around, you know, this was the dream sign. When you can put your waking brain into your dream, then you're actually training the waking awareness, the one that we have right now, to recognize the dream world, right? Hmm. So this part of the brain that's on right now usually isn't on in a lucid dreaming state. So just by journaling your dreams, you're actually training this brainwave, the prefrontal cortex, to become active in, in REM sleep. So you can actually see in a lucid dream, like a brainwave of somebody who's dreaming, that the frontal lobe actually turns on. And that's the part of the brain responsible for self-awareness. Like, who am I right now? I'm James. How did I get here? I drove here. You know, I'm on a podcast. You know, uh, this is definitely reality, you know, Um, remembering to check reality. Um, And looking at your hands and your legs and everything, right? Yeah. So that's another thing. So journaling is one. Um, Another one is, you know, reality checks. Just going about your day and like if you if you have if you remember your dreams like just some like a few times a day just by habit now i'll look down at my hands and if you look at your hand and then look away and then look at your hand again and it's exactly the same chances are you're you're in real reality but if you look at your hand and look away and look back and something's different you you can be pretty certain <laughs> you know, well a finger just disappeared that doesn't happen in reality that happens to me a lot <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, a simple one is just journaling. Um, yeah. Journaling is real simple, and it, it'll it'll also increase your recall. Recall mm-hmm. is like the depth of how much you remember from a dream. Like, do you remember just like a clip of it, or do you remember a whole storyline? Yeah. And the more you journal, yeah. the more you'll remember the entire story. There's another thing I heard was uh, you don't take your head off your bed, and like you try to like write down as it is fresh. Once you start moving around, you lose yeah. that chain of thought. But I think with practice, you can still retain more of it. Yeah, so I usually lay still to remember. Yeah. And, and I'll uh, stay there just sort of like being like, okay, this happened and then this happened and then this happened. And then I have to get up to go and write. Like I, I can't write while not moving. Um, yeah. But I will before I, I get up. Um, there's something about it when you change your position it's almost like some of the memory is held in your body yeah i yeah. think like yeah. that's the only thing that makes yeah, yeah, sense yeah. but yeah. i think part of the memory is held in your body and even just rolling over i have rolled over and forgotten entire worlds i just visited yeah just by rolling over and it's like oh what happened it's gone now like yeah and sometimes if you if i go back into that position i can remember it it's like okay where was i lying down how was i positioned mm. oh yeah and i'll go back into that position and and i'll the memory will come back so there's something to where you're lying down and how you're, you're positioned that uh, the memory's stored in a way that's a little bit different than waking memory. Is there any enhancing tools that you use, like uh, like a tea or something that you drink before? Or There's a few supplements that I've tried that are powerful, yeah. Um, <clears throat> or like diets or something like that? Don't eat a few hours before bed. I find that the, the fuller, fuller your stomach, the more your, your body's, I think paying less attention to the subtle energies you know like if you have a big burger digesting through your gut your body's putting a lot of energy and processing that uh, versus when you have less moving through you i find my head is clearer and you can even tell that like eat a donut you know be really eat really clean for a week and then eat a donut and in there's like a drunkness 
There's like a food <laughs> drunk. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean your body. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like your mouth loved it for five minutes, and now your body hates it for hours. And yeah, yeah so so I find eating clean is good. And then there's like a good amount of supplements that can really help. Um, one of the most powerful ones is one called galantamine, um, which you can get over the counter in the States, uh, just like at a normal drugstore. But in Canada, it's a prescription drug for Alzheimer's. Hmm. Technically. Yeah. I've only used that a couple times, but when I did, it was like, wow. Well, I know what to tell my doctor next time I see him. <laughs> yeah, we're forgetting uh, stuff, forgetting dog. Forgetting everything. Yeah. <laughs> what can you do for me? I heard about this stuff. Um, yeah, that... Um, the teas haven't really worked for me. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of it is belief-based. Yeah. If you believe you can, there's really... like It's a lot of expectation. If you expect... like Even just this. Imagine a week from now. A week from now. What, what night is it? It's Tuesday? Next Tuesday night, you guys are going to have the wildest dream you've ever had. Believe it. Like, it's it's happening. Like, get get ready. Like, next Tuesday night, you're going to have a meeting with some part of your dream. Like, be ready for it. Because it's coming. You know? Like, be aware. Like, you might have a lucid moment next Tuesday. Like, set a date. It's, it's happening. Like, believe me on this. Seriously. What does that feel like? Seven days from now, you guys are going to go to bed and something magical is going to happen. Now, imagine every day from now until next Tuesday, you think to yourself, oh, my God, it's coming. It's coming next Tuesday. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm going to have a dream tonight. I don't know what it's going to be. I've been thinking about it all week. And your subconscious is like getting prepped. It's like, oh, no, like, what, is it going to be a nightmare? Is it going to be? And like all of a sudden, this your brain starts acting. This awareness starts bubbling up and it's like oh it's it's coming it's coming it's gonna happen so i'm gonna leave that with you guys next tuesday i want to hear about it but like it's there's something coming that's an expectation setting the expectation that something's gonna happen you can already feel it right now right like it's real it's real that expectation that it might happen as 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 much as i don't want to believe it like i feel like at the end of the day it's gonna be like next tuesday and like like it's gonna be 7 p.m and i'm like what if it's real (laughs) no i want you to start thinking what if it's real right now and then i don't want it to leave your mind for seven days all right man get out of here get out of my head right now it's really getting into me now (laughs) And he changed to do the voiceover for my life. He's like, no, it'll be a every good... moment will be like, oh, this we... is... All right, the last thing moment. I want to see is your face in my dream. Okay. Oh, man, we just talked about oneness and love for the last hour and a half. Trust me, it's fine. You're, you're going to have a good one, but yeah. it's coming. <laughs> yeah, that's... Oh, uh, fuck. <laughs> that's what these supplements, I think, do. I can only imagine, yeah. like, the girl that I love uh, just, like, appear in front of me and, like, her face transform into your face. And I'm like, fuck, you just welcome. ruined the whole thing. And <laughs> <laughs> I told you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's a magical space to be. Like, honestly, I think it's odd that more people don't. Like, if, they, if you realize it's possible, like, why not yeah. do it? Yeah. Why not yeah. do it? Like, yeah. not even, I think asking that question is probably not the right question. Why not do it makes you answer like well this is why not and this is why not but think of all the reasons why you could do it well, you why do you should it do because it because art is 
it matters art and imagination and like the fantasy and the original idea is basically it where everybody where all of our childhoods is based from like we we love our harry potter we love our lord of the rings we love the star wars series everything and we can go one step further and say that's what reality is based on two imagination created everything this microphone, this table, the clothes you're wearing, the house you live in, somebody imagined it from their inner world first, and then they mm-hmm. made it happen in the external world. Yeah. Nothing can happen if the inner world isn't a thing. Yeah. We can't create anything if we don't have imagination first. Paintings wouldn't happen. Technology wouldn't happen. None of that would happen unless we had the inner experience of what that is beforehand so that we know what we're working towards you know a cell phone is more complicated than a picture of a tree or or you know a pair of shoes but we have to imagine it first that's basically all we got yeah we are imagination machines pumping out our creations and then living into our creations that's that's what we are we are we are we have been created by some force that you know we can barely comprehend and we're creators and what we're doing is we're creation creating creation and living into the creation that we're creating yeah that's that's what's happening that's what's happening guys like you created this podcast you had the idea for this podcast you created it and now you're sitting in it because you had an imagination of what this might be like and hey now you're living in your creation yeah 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 that and that's everything and we we have (laughs) we also like we actually and i we talked about like uh, where this is gonna go like almost every day yeah Uh, every single day and that's creating every day we, yeah. we kind of like go through subway, we talk about like 40 minutes every morning. Oh, where, where is this going to go? And we have, we make plan for like the next year, for the next five years. This is how we are going to do it. This is how we are going to market it. This is how we, every single thing. Oh, what are we going to talk about when we have um, James in? What we are going to talk about when this comes in or like yeah. in our next guest? And like, how are we going to like, um, how are we going to put the subjects in? Like, like all the things, like all the WhatsApp, like. The groups that we've created, everything has been talked before between me and him, just like putting everything on the table. And yeah, that's very true. Every single thing that happens to all of our our lives is like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And now you're an artist, right? I'm I'm, (laughs) I'm a lot of things, I guess. I mean, I'm still getting a grip of, of what that is like. There's a lot that can come out of us. There's a lot. Yeah. I don't know how to monetize... (laughs) <laughs> or like uh, financially like <clears throat> something i'm coming to is like i just want to serve the world i just want to yeah. do something good like yeah. i just want to help in any way i can help and like really shake things up and and, and make yeah. create the best yeah. possible world that i can possibly yeah. imagine and it's like how do i position myself to do that you know and i think in in part it really involves putting ourselves out there yeah and i think that's what you guys are doing that's yeah. that's great is yeah. is you're actually putting yourself out there to begin the creation of the world that you want to live in. You're talking yeah. about the yeah. ideas that you want to talk about, yeah. and in so doing, you're creating the world. And yeah. we are going to come back to that after the break. <laughs> <laughs> no, for real. Um, yeah, yeah let's, let's take a break and then come yeah. back. <laughs> okay, so we left off talking about like who we are. Yeah. And like you were talking about um, so the thought that came to mind that I didn't want to forget is like we're creating ourselves and also like we were created and our parents kind of like instilled a character in us. Like we didn't actually choose 
who we were in a lot of ways like we were told like I'm a football player I'm I'm a you know I'm the smart one I'm the funny one like I'm you know we're we're kind of told by our teachers who we are and we just kind of trust the adults in our life and like you know even though we develop in certain ways and we think it's our decisions in a lot of ways it's not like we we're we're kind of groomed to be a certain a certain way so you know we can't be too attached to our character identities because they were kind of inherited yeah um that's that's actually a great segue into um there's there's something in Jungian psychology called uh archetypes hold on we should probably if we're restarting we should (laughs) should, (laughs) so this is uh Mars ghost uh (laughs) we don't know where it came from but yeah he's with us right now (laughs) right after the break (laughs) he um, master masters in psychotherapy yeah, right yeah yeah you guys uh if you don't know this marsh listen to the previous episode yeah <laughs> that's, that's pretty Sorry. much it oh, yeah. archetypes right, right along the lines of yeah, what we, yeah. we mentioned young before really? so that's great yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he is he had this idea that there are these 12 archetypal symbols in our collective unconsciousness like no matter where you are in the world whether you're a businessman in new york or a warrior from like the jungles and and uh Ecuador or something like there are these universal symbols of, of humanity that as soon as you see them you understand what that what they are and who that person is and these these archetypes are things like the hero the the lover the caregiver the creator the mystic the king warrior magician lover yeah I want to read that book. Yeah, and it's actually something that's so powerful that all the major companies, um, it's one of the key concepts in marketing. Like all the major companies out there brand themselves around one of these archetypes. They make their logo, their imagery, their advertising, everything full, all in line with one archetype so that when people see it, people from the archetype, like inside, immediately identify with it and they immediately understand the messaging, right? Like they they have to sell, put a lot less effort into selling themselves when people understand them instinctively. And what you were talking about social media there, like, you know, we, we our outer selves are just like this accumulation of like what our parents have told us, what the people around us told us, the behaviors we picked up from people we admire. But very often that's not in line with like what our core values is, like what what really means something to us in the world and when we bring our outside life persona like our, our clothing our social media presence like our activities what we do all in line with a single archetype it just translates to people like that you don't even need to introduce yourself anymore just one look and you are the symbol mm-hmm. that's interesting um there's a great bbc documentary called century of the self and it's all about how the first public relations campaigns um, were run by a guy named edward bernays whose uncle was sigmund freud and he they used to use sigmund freud's psychology to sell things to people's unconscious minds like the irrational mind so they were the first people to sell trucks uh, to masculine sexuality this truck will make you more of a man you know women will want you if you if you drive this uh, before that, it was like, this truck has this type of engine and, and, and this type of upholstery. And they used to sell the truck itself until this guy came along and said, no, you'll get more sales if you hit something completely unrelated to trucks, like our masculinity. Uh, so they used it for all sorts of like malicious, you know, reasons <laughs> or, or like, you know, reasons to just sell you stuff. But I could see how that could also be really valuable. And like, I, I didn't know that there's companies using the Jungian model, but it only makes sense. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, I, I think because there's, there is, I, I believe some, <laughs> like we were talking, there's a collective, there's, we're all stemming from the same, you know, conscious force. Like we, we are, there's only one consciousness in this room. There are four individuals in this room, but there's one consciousness in this room, right? We're, we're popping up in, in these different brains with these different eyeballs and different feelers. And you have your hands and I have my hands and I'm experiencing something different than you are. And your brain has absorbed different experiences. So you're, you're seeing the world in a different way than I am. You know, your story about the world is different than my story. But yeah, at the end of the day, it's all like collective conscious, uh, unconscious. Yeah. Like that, yeah. that's all connected like to one thing. It's just like in different, different bodies that like comes like as a drop on this planet. Uh, that's yeah that's what i believe and feel that i've experienced in my my journeys within and i I think most people that have journeyed deep enough within would would probably uh agree yeah it's (laughs) to me it's also the most believable theory that i can digest other than like all the other theories but like each person has their own definition of what this world is for them yeah speaking of each individual having their own definition of what the world is <laughs> for them. Uh, I think it, you, we've unpacked enough that we can, <laughs> we can claim talk that about. Well, I know we we're going to talk about UBI, and that's that's uh, a topic that I think a lot of people tell a lot of different stories about, um, and a lot of people have a lot of different ideas surrounding. Um, so, if people came here to listen about uh, the UBI topic. Uh, Hopefully you didn't fast forward just to this point <laughs> and you actually spent the time listening to everything we just talked about because that, that's a great, big, deep segue into, uh, okay, what kind of world do you want to live in? <laughs> and it starts you know? from right here. <laughs> so what is UBI? Uh, UBI uh, stands for Universal Basic Income, uh, which is the concept that every uh, individual between a certain age range, you know, 18 and up, um, receives a basic income, an amount of money from the government every month to supplement um, their income, uh, which is something that could be very important and already is important with you know so many people losing their jobs to automation. Um, there are you know all sorts of reasons for either a UBI or a negative income tax. So a negative income tax is the idea of of um, rather than paying income tax at the end of the year, if you didn't make enough, you actually receive more money. So if your paycheck is really low uh, and you fall into the negative income income tax bracket, then the government would give you tax money to to supplement your income, which is similar to basic income. Uh, right now, there's a presidential candidate, Andrew Yang. Uh, I'm sure there's some Yang fans listening right now that um, uh, he believes in the freedom dividend, which is a thousand dollars a month for every American citizen. Um, the idea is that if we're doing so well as an economy and we're making so much money, so many corporations are, are making so much and paying zero dollars in taxes, you know, shouldn't the American people get a piece of that pie? Uh, you know, like if there, if we're shareholders, if we're treated like shareholders in in a you know in the country, then it makes sense that people get some sort of benefit from living in one of the wealthiest, most well-off com- countries in the world, right? Yeah. In a nutshell, that's and it also it uh, it replaced the uh, the bad habits that the welfare bring to the society, whereas like welfare most likely advertised for um, 
being lazy, not having a job, or like if you make more money, then the, your welfare will be taken away. Versus like UBI is encourages you to follow your passion, find find like who you are, what kind of thing work for you. If you have to go through like a, a physical illness or a mental illness that uh, that gives you that relief of uh, a stress, not worrying about all that stuff until you come back to your feet yeah. and all that. Yeah. So yeah. Ontario had this plan for Hamilton for 4000 mm-hmm. families for to give them uh, $1200 and you've yeah. been part of it. Yeah. How was your and experience? It, well, I just want to say too to to what you just said like that's a beautiful perspective. The fact that you know people will be using it to be more creative and create their own jobs and and use it to help themselves out of poverty and you know that's that's a perspective that believes in hu- humanity. That believes in the power of human that people are essentially good and want to do good and help. Um, there's a lot of people that tell a different story. There's a lot of people that believe people are going to freeload. They're going to do nothing. They're, they're just going to mooch off society. You know, uh, there's that bootstrap mindset. You got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and make money. Um, there's a lot of people that don't believe in UBI and they believe that, um, you know, having a UBI would create this socialism state where the government, you know, controls our, um, our, you know, rather than being stable ourselves, like the government's in control of our stability. And it's like, um, that's a story too. And if people have that story, then like, by all means, continue working jobs, like do, do what makes you feel comfortable to, you know, you know, if you don't want to survive off the government, you don't have to, you know, if you believe that you might be a moocher, you know, then you don't have to make those same choices, you know? Um, but it's, it's so good for so many people and it can do so, so much good for so many people and have people actually do what they really want to do. Like imagine the human potential that would be unleashed you know? So you asked how it was for me. Um, it was exactly how I'm describing it. Like I worked at a bank. I didn't like my job. I wasn't like, listen to all the stuff we were just talking about in the beginning part of this podcast that didn't fit behind a a bank teller position. Like I had to be the representative of Scotiabank. I was wearing a shirt and a tie and I'm, I'm thinking about esoteric philosophy and like my, you know, psychedelic experience on the weekend and my communion with God that, that just blew my mind and the lucid dreams that I just had. And it's like, how can I help you today? Yeah. Okay. Deposit this into this account. Yeah. Yeah. What am I doing with my life? And, and the moment I got UBI, I was like, where do I want to be? Like I was using my benefits at Scotiabank to go and float at the float center. Like I, I loved floating. I, I liked, you know, meditating. Um, I was using my benefits to, to, to float for sensory deprivation tanks. And so one day I went in for a session and I had just gotten UBI and I realized, Oh, like I could work at a place like this. Like this, this would totally be somewhere I would go. Like my friends, a couple of my friends almost started a float center and I was so excited and it didn't work out. The finances didn't line up or whatever it was, um, didn't happen. So, and I was so excited to have that as part of my life. And when I was on UBI, uh, and I was in this place, uh, I found out there was a person leaving and I was like, oh my God, like, yeah, I wouldn't have benefits. I, you know, I'd, I'd make about the same amount per hour. Like I was, I was making just above minimum wage at the bank. Like just cause I wore a shirt and tie doesn't mean I was like getting paid a ton. I was making less than 30 K a year. So the pay cut wasn't that huge. And then I would get free floats, which is a huge health benefit. I had free yoga upstairs, which is like preventative health care. You know, I was barely even using my benefits other than for glasses and going to the dentist once in a while. So like benefit loss wasn't that big a deal. And I was like, I'm going to make the leap. I'm going to, I'm going to work at a float center. Like I can afford to do this. And I did, I, I, I made the leap. I jumped from working at Scotiabank 
to working in this building, this community. There's psychotherapists, there's there's a float center, there's a yoga studio, we have meditation teachers. It's it's a it's called the Hamilton Community for Personal Development and or the Hamilton Center for Personal Development. And that's where I, that's where I work now. And I made that leap because I had the financial security and I felt safe um, making that leap because I was I was taken care of. I knew that even if it didn't work out, that's fine. I can pay my rent and I can buy food. So let's do what I want. You know? <laughs> How did you apply for it? How do you hear about it? Well, I, I worked at the front desk of, of, of the bank. Oh, okay. So, I mean, people were coming in to cash their cash their checks and you know, some people would come in and they needed, uh, you know, their direct deposit information. All of us have gone to the bank or loaded up our direct deposit information so that we can give our account numbers and bank numbers to new employers or whatever. And there was a bunch of people coming in to um, give their direct deposit information for this UBI signup that they were doing. And I had heard about UBI work, uh, going to school at McMaster. So I went to uh McMaster University for economics. I got a degree in economics and that was a topic that came up in, in one of my classes. Um, and there was kind of a debate about it and, you know, uh, I knew, I knew people that were big believers in it. And, um, yeah, so I was like, why not be part of this experiment? The worst case scenario was I just did the surveys and if I just did the surveys, I still got 50 bucks for doing the surveys. And I wanted to kind of see what data they were collecting. Like I was just interested in it. So I was like, okay, if I apply, you know, there's nothing to lose, really. I get to do the survey, which is interesting, and I might actually get it, which is cool. So there was no reason not to apply. Yeah. And even thinking about, yeah, the bank teller job that you did, and so soon in future, that might be replaced with, like, a giant screen and a chatbot. The chatbot <laughs> is doing the same thing that you're doing. So in the, in once, the future. once the automation, but that's not in the future. That's, like, one <laughs> it's year. In, it's in your pocket. It's one year, it's two already, year. Like, totally yeah, it is already there. It is already there. <laughs> Like Fido has its like call center through like Facebook chat and all that. Yeah, when you call Kudo, no longer there is a person like answer you. Uh, the only time that you get to talk to a teller like to to a, a real to, human, to a real human being, is the time that you tell this uh, machine learning AI whatever it is that I want to cancel my plan. It's like, hold on a second, I'm going to yeah. connect you. <laughs> Just start yelling yeah. and getting really angry. And I can tell that you're upset. Let yeah. me get somebody for you. <laughs> but anything else that you say is not going to connect you. <laughs> so yeah, when, when this automation rolls in a lot more, uh, people will start losing their jobs. And then there has to be a way to take care of those people. Like, like we're in technology, like Salar and me. So we know how to get our way around it. But we meet so many people who are not in technology. And for them, it's just a very hard way to survive. Yeah. I, I met a lot of people uh, through like going to different events because I draw in events. And um, sometimes I tell them, hey, like, um, so what are your plans for the future? And most that I talk to, unfortunately, they don't seem to have any plan or they don't want to tell me. But I kind of like do it as like to get the conversation going but sometimes i feel like there is there's nothing there they they feel mm -hmm. completely safe where they are and they feel that like this job is gonna like last for a very long time then that idea that this person like has that it really scares me inside yeah. even even that like if you think about app developers you guys are app developers correct i am right you're an app developer so what about when they write apps that write apps like imagine you could download an app and it's like oh, okay what kind of button do you want here what kind of action do you want that button to take and imagine an ai that lets you place buttons 
you know, create content, load content up, play this video when this happens, have, we can probably pretty easily now have an app building app that makes, you know, app building pretty simple for the average Joe, similar to Weebly. Web developing used to be really complicated, you know, you'd need somebody to write HTML code to create a website. You're going to be able to write apps, create apps with an app creating app soon enough. And, you know, maybe if that doesn't already exist, maybe the only reason that that doesn't exist is because whoever creates that app is going to be an asshole that all the other app developers hate <laughs> because, you know, their job is essentially, you know, It'll eventually integrate in, yeah. in the yeah. whole system. Yeah. I like the answer. It's basically the most reasonable answer is UBI, universal basic income, where everybody get um, a certain amount of money. So, you don't ever stress over oh i i don't have i i have to spend my time over a shitty job where i cannot like really it, decide what a, i want to do with the rest of my life it's a social safety net and it, like the alternative is people working menial tasks like just doing jobs that they don't really want to do just for the sake of a paycheck because these jobs can be really easily automated why keep around those jobs that can be really easily automated when they can do it for cheaper they will replace them if they can do it for cheaper and faster. And, you know, the only reason to keep it around is so that these people get paid. Like, let these tech companies automate. Let us move past menial labor and having to work for a living or, or have work to derive a sense of meaning. Like, we can develop a society where we might not all need to work jobs. Like the, the reason we're so attached is because our sense of meaning comes from the work that we do and the jobs that we have, you know, and that, and what would we be without that meaning, without that job? And that I think scares a lot of people and, and they don't really know who they are or what they would be. Or maybe they think that they would be lazy couch potatoes. Well, they and have so, time to figure that out. Yeah. And, and I think I'll, that's what most people would do i think there's a lot of people think of the potential in cubicles the amount of like passion and love and creativity and ability that people have and like they're just grinding it out at a job that they don't really like you know draining their energy you know from nine to five every day and not having any energy to put towards what they really want to do in life or even having the time to figure out what they really want to do and you know exploring things like you know psychedelics like like i have they've been so beneficial but like how much space do we have in our lives to really let ourselves explore that when like we only have two weeks vacation or even like the simplest form of like exploring meditation like sometimes like people come home and they have like a lot of responsibility for the kids with their um, wife with their parents uh, whatever their situation is and they can't even like explore like they have they don't have enough time or they maybe they don't even make that much of time but um yeah it's this these ideas are all great so the the test program that uh, happened in hamilton the yeah uh the all of on all of ontario it's all over ontario four thousand people around ontario yeah Mm. and do you know like uh is there what's the next step like what's where is this leading to so uh ontario was going to collect data annually for all of these participants to see, um, you know, what the measurable improvements were in their in their life and their standard of living, and and the survey was pretty in depth. Um, and then there was a switch in provincial government. We went from a liberal government to a conservative government, and um, they scrapped the project. Did not do a follow up survey, 
um, and there's essentially 70 something million dollars spent and zero data. So they, they scrapped it and didn't even attempt to do follow-up data. The, the feedback they would have gotten for sure would have been positive, but they didn't even do the follow-up survey to see what the data would have said. Um, so essentially they wasted 72, I think it was 72, don't quote me, but $72 million or somewhere around there, maybe it was 170. Um, and they just ended it. They, they gave it like a seven month wind down period so that people could find jobs or find other ways of, uh, you know, coping. But there was people that signed up for school, moved into new apartments, like really changed their life circumstance, uh, with being on UBI and they just kind of got the rug pulled out from under them. Yeah, no, that's amazing. If uh is there anything else that you want to add since we are coming to the end of the podcast? <laughs> things that it could be like things that you're grateful in life or anything any subject that you want to talk about. You know, I think uh something that's really important uh so I wrote an article about being on UBI and um it was essentially about how we're all connected. We, when we go to the grocery store, everything at that grocery store is there because a network of thousands of human beings worked to put it there, right? And it's this web, like we just had dinner, you know? How many things had to come together to put every ingredient on your plate, you know, us preparing in the kitchen or you preparing in the kitchen was the last step of this massive, potentially global network of like ingredients coming together so that you could eat a reasonably priced, delicious meal, you know? Um, and you know, you see that we're walking down the street and we have a Greek restaurant next to an Italian restaurant, next to an Indian restaurant next to, you know, whatever. And like you, where do you want to go in the world tonight? You know? And there's just so much abundance. There's so much to be grateful for. And like with things like UBI, like how can we not believe in the inherent goodness of human beings? Look at all of the things that we have because people are putting their love and their hard work into the things, you know, imagine if we gave them the freedom to do the things they really wanted to do, how much more there would be. I think how much more art and music and creativity, how many people would become full-time musicians and just sing on the streets because they, their, their finances were cared for. That would happen. How many open source projects will be open? Like, yeah, so many, it would unleash so much human potential if people were taken care of and, and, you know, we're in this economy by no fault of our own. We are not this economy. We came from a jungle. We, we came from, you know, a very, a much simpler way of life. Just because we exist in this economy now as it is uh, and have to make money the way we make it and things cost what they cost doesn't mean we should be attached to that reality as just the way it is and we should pull ourselves up by the bootstraps and deal with it. No, we, we get to write the story. We can change the script. We can change how the economy works. We can change where money flows or how much people get taxed. And, you know, uh, I, I think if we're not taking care of like ourselves, ourselves and, and like society is only as strong. I, I, th I think it's a, I forget whose quote this is. Um, but you know, society is only as strong as its weakest link. You know, if we're not taking care of the people on the streets, like 
I think having a society of desperate, scared people is a national security threat. You know, there's a presidential candidate, Marion Williamson said that, and it really rung true for me. It was like, yeah, if, if, we're, if we're not taking care of, of people, if they're not feeling safe or secure, that's a problem. You know, there's, that's an anxiety. There's this underlying anxiety that people have. Are my jobs going to be around? What are robots going to do? Like, am I going to be okay? Should I be revolting right now? Should I be terrified? But if we had a social safety net, if we had something like a UBI, imagine the tension that would be eased. And imagine the good that people would begin doing, you know, and that's what I think would, would happen, especially if you believe in the stuff we talked about at the beginning of this podcast. Oh, yeah. There's a video in a nutshell. It also talks about UBI on mm-hmm. YouTube. And he also, um, they shared some links on the research. And if you give somebody a thousand dollar months, um, would they like spend and waste all their money on drugs and things like that? And just like, um, take a lazy life answer is no because at the end of the day the more somebody like everybody has to work to feel grateful and to feel purposeful uh, yeah. with their lives or contribute to a community contribute to something yeah and uh, and that com- contribution brings like a true happiness and each person after a while they realize that even those that like they spend money on drugs for a while then eventually they find themselves like um alone separated and like and they feel that like they have to go back and contribute. How many organizations right now run on volunteer work and are struggling to find volunteers? Tons, because there's so many people that have to work so many jobs in order to live that they don't have time to volunteer. Give people a UBI and you're going to see all these organizations that run on volunteers having way more volunteers than they know what to do with. And so many people that are like, you know what, I'm happy, I'm healthy, I'm taken care of, I can afford my rent. I'm going to go, you know, work for this organization for free. I think people would do that. I think we all know people in our lives that would absolutely, you know, who work jobs and volunteer because they love to help and they love to serve. Like, I think that's what we're made of. I think that's what, like, if you see the inherent goodness in humanity, you're something like UBI is going to transform us for the better. uh, And, you know, all the people that, that think the worst of things like this are, are mistaken. I genuinely believe they're just, they have a worldview that's, you know, not really serving them. And um, it's going to look very different. Like we have so much, it's already so good. There's already so much to be grateful for. Yeah. I think it's only going to expand from here all right. if we go in the right directions. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. And I, I know I want to wrap it up though. Like, for dinner time here i just (laughs) (laughs) we're on the topic of gratitude um and on the topic of like you know acknowledging uh our connectedness and and love um and and you know just so much to be grateful for Uh, i learned this prayer i want to say it i want to say it because i think uh i learned it at the psychedelic conference a while back i went to a hindu temple and a friend of mine shared uh, shared this with me. I grew up Roman Catholic, and I didn't really, you know, the end of end of meal prayer doesn't really resonate with me. But this this one really does. Um, and if this resonates with you, please adapt it for yourself and and use it for yourself. But uh, I've been using it for the last little while, and I feel like it makes ta- food taste better. <laughs> um, but here it is. Um, thank you, Mother Earth, Father Son, for this beautiful gift and offering. Let this food give us strength, energy, and nourishment to realize the self. 
Let this food expand our consciousness and awareness such that we eat in gratitude, moderation, without greed, and without inducing harm. Let this food enable us to serve all beings, build family, community, brotherhood, sisterhood, and most importantly, self-love. Thank you, mother. Thank you, father. Thank you, brother. Thank you, sister. Thank you, farmer, cook, and server. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Viva. Viva. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Yeah, that, that was that was pretty awesome. Thanks for going deep, guys. Yeah. This is this is this, you guys. Uh, yeah, thank you're you. no stranger of uh, deep dives. Dace, do you have any any words you want to add at the end? Dace is nodding his head side to side. <laughs> 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 yeah. 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 Beautiful stuff. Well, Beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Episode ten is done. Me. Thank you. Yeah, that was awesome, guys. Very nice.